Hello. All right, greetings, Alexandros. Welcome, Divya. Welcome as well. Hi. Uh, thanks for agreeing to this. So, the deal with this space is, we want me and Alexandros have a debate about the issue of AI risk, and Divya said that she would be kind enough to act as a moderator. So, Divya, do you want to start us off? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I've been reading a bunch of your guys' threads on Twitter. Probably other people have, too. I could summarize your positions in a minute. Um, I guess my starting point is, I don't know, I am the sort of naive person that thinks if we talk to each other, that's good. And my hope for trying to moderate this is to aim it more at, like, what are actual things that we can figure out together about what we might not already know that we think or like places we might be wrong or places we can learn from someone else instead of like trying to convince the audience that we're right though of course you know audience will draw their own conclusions for sure from what people say great fantastic so um should we state our positions yeah i think um yeah you could start there and then maybe i'll try to summarize and then we'll go from there all right fantastic well alexandros why don't you go first Uh, hello. Yeah, Rocco, do you wanna do you wanna uh, like maybe state your um, narrow down the topic or just talk risk in general? Um, but um, I think what Divya was saying is that you can say what you know. You can try to uh, put your position forward, and I'll do the same, and then she'll try to sort of uh, boil it down. Okay. All right, so so I, I guess my position is fairly well um, summed up by saying I think we are potentially getting into a very dangerous zone for AI risks. I think it's realistic that within a single-digit number of years, we could be facing smarter-than-human intelligences that are agentic and hostile and you know, potentially capable of killing everybody, enslaving us, uh, or doing something even worse. Um, and, and, you know, it like now really is the time to panic, right? Um, well, maybe not panic, but, uh, you know, do, do the kind of things that, are, uh, that, that, that a smart person would do that are more useful than panicking, right? Try to act, convince people, uh, make changes to the way the world works. Um, and in particular, one of those things, I guess, is we should be um, looking to buy time uh, by slowing AI research down if we can um, at almost any cost. So even if that means, um, you know, the government has to pass a law and that law is kind of dumb and it's like we don't like AI because it violates copyright or something stupid like that then that's kind of okay. Um, we'll just take that for the time being uh, whilst we formulate a better response. Cool, thanks. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try to sum that up and then you can go, Alexandra, seems good? Sure. Okay, so yeah, I think, I mean, this is gonna be pretty straightforward. Rocco, you think AI is gonna be dangerous soon and that once- Potentially, yes. Yeah, potentially. And that once systems are you know, broadly smarter than humans and agentic, there's some sense in which this is an obvious threat. And therefore you think it's, because you think the timelines are single digit years, potentially, 
you think now is the time to ring the fire alarm, including if it means all sorts of dumb government intervention and stuff like that. Yes. Right. Cool. Alexandra? So um, my position is that um, I could totally see potential of AI um, triggering, you know, cascades of events that end in really bad places, including, you know, I don't know, blowing up the planet. Uh, really, really bad things that you know might not have a you know a, a, t a tomorrow after that uh, that 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 we care about anyway. Um, also, believe that uh... Uh, hello, Alexandros. I can't hear you. Yeah, if you're talking, you must be breaking up. Um, this still, can, you, can you repeat that? Yeah. So what I was saying is that so governments are uh, a, basically when we're faced with difficult situations, we tend to, as humans, um, rush to um, react in ways that might make them worse. Um, and in particular, what I'm seeing here. Uh, you know, is modeling the government as a, a, a dumb but broadly aligned agent that, kind, you know, might be slow in reacting, might not be very able to, like, put high-resolution plans in place, but broadly wants to sort of do what we want it to do. And I think this fundamentally mis misunderstands uh, the nature of government as it exists today. I don't know if in the 50s or in the 20s or in some of the century was better. Today, um, the, 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 the powers that be, whatever the structure, the superstructure is, this private-public partnership um, that controls a lot of the information flows, um, is dead set on um, defending itself. And as instrumental convert convergence uh, uh, tells us, um, it will not cooperate with us to do sort of kind of what we want. Um, it, what it what it will you know what it seems to want to do is use all new technology in order to uh, preserve itself. Um, and so I think intervening in in in, in ways that seem rash um, and will give that. Uh, power the excuse to take that technology for itself because it's not in the business of sharing power it, it might be a dumb agent but it's a power maximizing agent and this has to be part of the conversation it ha it has values it uses paper clips i.e bureaucracy as input and its output is more power for itself right so invoke it at your own peril this is my uh the, the summary of, of my position a secondary position i have is that we should be less certain while i do th I agree potentially all of these scenarios that are being discussed could be in the future um i also think that um we have a terrible track record of predicting the future especially when basically all systems are about to start clashing into each other um, and that gives us uh, both reasons to be pessimistic, but also reasons to be optimistic. And I don't think we should um, uh, under underestimate the latter. Okay. Um, I'm going to try to summarize that too. And then you guys can talk to each other a little more. So yeah, Alexander, I think what you're saying is that this, the thing about AI potentially being an existential risk to humanity is not a crux for you. I think you guys basically agree about that, not necessarily about how likely it is, but you don't think that's like a ridiculous scenario that's not worth considering. Right. On the other hand, you think that, there, I, I'm going to say maybe three points. One of them is something like, 
you think the outside view about government intervention is is very pessimistic and you have some broad sort of arguments about like here's the sort of things government tends to do furthermore you think that some of the exact arguments for why to be worried about ai also say to worry about government here and then i think and this is the i don't know how to articulate this as clearly you can help me out as we go forward you also have like a broad sort of epistemological difference that I think is an important crux for a lot of people who think about this. So I'm certainly interested in it that something like, I don't know, these are complex systems with feedback loops and stuff like that. And so the humans track record of predict humans track, have a bad track record of predicting that stuff particularly well. And like adding in that sort of uncertainty should be a very important part of how we all think about this. Well, well, yeah, especially if we're about to take drastic action, right? Like the the, the trade off is: do we move now, right, um, or do we wait for more information? And I I don't think we're anywhere near the enough information threshold to be making you know drastic you know the the, the you know very very big moves right now. Yes. Yeah, what kind of there what, might be such a threshold, oh, but we're not there. Yeah, I was going to say, what what information are you waiting for? I mean, we need to understand the nature of the system. Um, uh, that we're the systems that we're looking at, how it's going to evolve, um, where where the even where the bottlenecks are going to be, because people are talking about you know uh, nuking CPU factor, GPU factors, or whatever, or whatever air striking, uh, taking them out of <laughs> operation. Um, and I'm not even sure GPUs are the bottleneck. Honestly, it's it's unclear. Like everything is like literally every day that we're looking at this. Um, Things are shifting, and my my first concern is to actually understand what this is and how it operates before you know. I mean, this is a standard rationalist um, credo, right? Um, do not propose solutions uh, immediately before understanding the problem. Yeah, I mean, we've we've spent about twenty years trying to understand the problem. Um, so it's not like we haven't thought about this at all, right? Um, let's talk about the airstrikes and the nukes, right? So um, our uh, intellectual godfather, Eliezer Yudkowsky, has had some success with getting uh, attention recently, um, which is good. Uh, I do, however, think that the talk of concrete acts of violence such as nukes or airstrikes is probably a mistake on his part uh be partly just because of you know just just the way that public communication works people will focus in too much on the act and not think about the reasoning behind the act uh but also because i don't think there's any scenario really where any of those actions are actually useful right um you know, I don't think you would ever need to do an airstrike on a data center because, like, data centers are the kind of things that are very easy to shut down with very minimal violence, right? Like, you just send the police there and you arrest the people who are running it and you cut the power off, right? There's no need for an airstrike. Now, if it's in a foreign country, you know, maybe that gets a little bit more difficult, but I still don't think that an airstrike would ever be the right answer to that. Uh, I mean, airstrikes are routinely like, used to routinely used uh, by Israel against Iran to slow down this nuclear program. I think it's yeah the, the right analogy. Yeah, but I I don't think that's what will actually happen, right? So, uh, I think nuclear is a little bit different. Um, 
you might we might have a scenario where you you could use some kind of aerial bombardment on uh like a chip factory if if there was a really bad international disagreement it's possible that you would target the factories that made the chips um but i'm pretty skeptical that actually attacking a data center would would be the right thing to do i mean it's possible but it just strikes me as as like quite far out i i think i'm having trouble following the like what how how the nuts and bolts of the particular enforcement mechanism tie into the part that's important to you can you you maybe yeah so so i mean i guess like in reality i don't think violence like physical you know kinetic violence is a very likely outcome right i think it's much much more likely that we just have negotiations and laws and maybe sanctions and stuff like that um, but I think kinetic violence is is like super unlikely, um, and I think it's sort of a mistake to talk about it, right? Because it's just enough to talk about the idea that we should make laws to ban certain types of work without sort of going, without like really making physical kinetic violence super salient. Right, because I, I mean, it's possible that you might I, need look. It, I, I agree but I with you. I just don't actually. think it's good to talk we, about. Okay, so this sure, is sure. agreement. Uh, well, yeah, I, I'm I'm happy to move past this. I, I I would much rather talk about things like when we tell government, and for some definition of we and some definition of tell, to ban TikTok, and it responds by passing by attempting to pass a series of bills that will give it com- complete control of of the internet or, or something to that to that effect. The the I, what I what I I want to at least see understood by people who are advocating for government action of any sort is that um, uh, again government is not just unaligned in some general sense. It's not just dumb in some general sense. It it takes these sort of you know bottom up to the again to the degree that this is bottom up. Uh, they, they, they you know the TikTok thing is bottom up. Um, outcries and it turns them around to a very specific direction which is how do we continue to control the situation so so when you say we should pass laws to ban x or whatever it this is this is not how that works right what 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 you are you're inputting a command in a machine that takes these commands and asks what can i do that kind of looks like that but will give me more power and that that's what you're going to see come out if you're happy with that go ahead but um that that like please understand that that's what the 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 force you're messing with yeah i mean uh, here's here's another way i can argue this right so um it's not as if i or you or eliezer or nick bostrom or any of these people have like a veto on the government doing something about ai right we can either sort of like um trying to like poke it to do something or not um, so I, I think I sort of agree with you that government is, um, sort of dangerous. Um, like, yeah, the gov- like, we wanted to ban TikTok, uh, which I think is okay, but then they wrote a bill that was like, oh, we can just, I don't even know what the fuck's in that bill, but people are saying they're gonna try and use that bill to ban, uh, cryptocurrency, um, that it's just, like, so broadly worded that they can just sort of use it for anything they want. 
Um, and the, yeah, the ban, sort of ban crypto, has, ban VPNs, yeah. ban uh, give yeah. them the, the continuous power to ban whatever they want in the future. Yeah, uh, right. Know, cool. Yeah. Sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, I realize that government has a tendency to pull this kind of shit off, but um, like. Wait, so I, also, I think I, I, yeah. so I think that's not quite what Alexandris is saying. I think I hear you saying government has a tendency to do that. And I think Alexandris is saying something stronger. Like it's very predictable what government will do and it's use the current situation to sort of maximize control. So I, I, I think I want to double click on what exactly you I don't know, each of your models there. Well, the, 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 I think the point that I want to make here is just that. A government is going to end up doing something about AI, right? Like, it's not like it's not like AI is like a fucking secret that only rationalists know about. And if we just keep quiet, the government just won't realize that it's a thing, right? Like, no, you know, the government will realize, right? So the fact that Yudkowsky is like freaking out and writing time articles about how the world's about to end. And that's getting like questions at the White House press secretary. You know, that's not the only possible way that the government can find out that AI is a thing that really matters, right? Like nuclear weapons really matter, right? It's just that it will find out a few years later when it becomes super, super, super obvious that it's a really important thing, right? So, what we can do by like not telling government to do stuff is we can sort of delay the response a little bit and then have like no input on what it does. Whereas I think what Yudkowsky is sort of doing is, you know, he's really making uh, the rationalist theory about this stuff much more salient um, at the cost of sort of unleashing the government beast a few years earlier than it would happen naturally. And I really do think that it would happen naturally anyway, because people just have an instrumental uh, incentive to build more and more powerful systems, and eventually they will build a system that's really powerful, and it will do something that's very dangerous, that will kill people, or just something bad will happen and people will notice, right? Um, so I don't think, you know, like, government just never noticing AI is an option, right? Do you, do you agree with that, Alexandros? They they're already working with it, of course. Right, but they're going to notice that AI is like really important, right? I, I, I'm I, I, sure. I mean, the the the. So so we you know, we can't. Let me let me let me um um uh, sort of you know Yukowski is you know um. I don't. I don't. I'm trying to be non, non, uh, sort of. I'm trying to be as, as, as uh, emotionally neutral as, I, as I can. But if you, if, if, if the, you know, Yukowski's judgment is to be trusted in any sense, then we should assume that what he's doing, he's doing it for a reason, and he believes it'll have some effect, right? So, so that would be bringing the government into this conversation sooner, or in some way he can control. Do we agree on that? That he can have at least some degree of input. Yes. Some input. Yeah. Whereas the other alternative would be that he has no input, which is the default. I mean, which is the default regardless, but anyway, yes. Sure, right. So if you don't say anything about AI to the government, right, they will eventually notice it, right, and they will eventually try to regulate it. Because that's what they do to things they notice. 
Right. So it's not like we have a choice to not have the government touch AI, right? It's a cho- the choice we have is to try to have some input or to not try. That's the choice, right? I mean, the choice is to whether to bring it forward or not. The choice is whether to aid uh, in creating a, a grassroots public outcry that they can utilize for their own ends, or whether to try to prepare for that. Because I, I think, it, for me, this will be really bad if that happens. Uh, and 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 if if it's interesting, I can and perhaps illustrate what the sort of the good scenario of an a government controlled AI looks like, uh, which is not very good. Yeah, can you say something like about what you mean by prepare for that? Well, I mean, prepare as in um, see what we can do to 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 you know uh, prevent that monopoly from uh, emerging, right? I mean, what, what, the government what, 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 has been beaten before. Uh, they you, were trying to ban cryptography in the nineties, right? Um, yeah, and people so you, have you, successfully you cre- resisted. Create a situation where the government doesn't have a monopoly on artificial superintelligence where there's like Correct. many people who have it yeah yeah but the problem is how do you do that in a way such that we aren't dead correct so i mean you know i think the end i don't really think we disagree that much about the end goal of wanting multiple people to have each have a little bit of influence over how the universe evolves Right, like you know, coherent extrapolated volition ideas like sure. that. Sure. But I think if you try to run the process so that as we develop superintelligence or as we develop along that curve towards superintelligence, everyone has a little bit of influence over the development, then the development dynamics push people to rush and not do any kind of safety. It becomes a race to the bottom in terms of safety. And so we just all die, right? I, I, that doesn't seem to me like the right uh, model, no. Why not? Well, so I see two paths, right? Um, one is where government does take control of it, of, of you know, this, this sort of line of development. Um, and, you know, progress proceeds in secret. So, so, so let's talk about the other um, uh, successful, uh, cited as successful uh, pause of uh, technological development. It was cited in the uh, letter uh, of the, you know, the, the Future Alliance Institute. They cited gain-of-function research as a successful pause um, of a technology uh, that, you know, they were sort of looking to model, I suppose. Well, what happened there? Well, that technology did pretty much stop in the US uh, getting developed. But of course, the uh, NIH, um, you know, shifted the funding to China to continue to do that sort of thing. Um, So, you know, what will happen is that the the technology will continue in secret. Um, There will not be any ability to audit for normal people. We will not be able to raise any flags. We'll not be even part of a, a conversation. Uh, we'll not be able to even counter it with our own AIs or, you know, things that we build or, or understand. There won't be a broad um, improvement in understanding of what this thing even is. Um, what will be is, you know, a very, you know, sing- single-mindedly focused uh, development towards an objective. And I can tell you already that, you know, if you read the tablet piece, you will see the development of the disinformation industrial complex. Um LLMs can understand concepts, right? 
humans historically have um, cir circumvented censorship by using things like jokes, irony, you know, in, uh, innuendo, et cetera, et cetera. LLMs can understand all of that. They can extinguish concepts entirely, right? And, and, and with our communication being almost entirely digital these days, they can do that. Um, just they can literally wipe out ideas, right? Newspeak is now within reach and it's an attractor for government. So, and once you control conversation, you control people's thought. And once you control that, there is no, no way out. We are at best, at absolute best, the, the, the best thing you can expect, you can hope for is 1984, right? With a very small group yeah, right. of, um, uh, of, of uh, established elites doing whatever that, you know, Sam Harris types who all have, who, who detest the public, right? They absolutely just hate the, their fucking guts. Um, and, and, you know, do whatever, if they need them around to begin with, they do whatever they can to just keep them in stasis, right? Nothing, nothing can exit that bubble and affect their power in any way. That's, that's the obvious attractor. Um, and, 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 and they're, they're doing it already to, before LLMs, you know, in, in extremely manual and haphazard ways. But they're, again, they're, they might be dumb. They're not idiots. They're learning. They're, they're improving. And this, this slots so perfectly yeah, right, right in there that it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. obvious. I mean, they, the, governments could use, you know, modern AI technology for censorship, certainly. Um, and I think that could lead to a dystopian outcome. And I'd certainly like to avoid that. Um, but the problem is, like, right now, that is not the problem, right? Right now, you can imagine it like this, right? You, you're, you're, in a, you're in the garden, right? And, you know, we're, we're kind of chatting and we see that the plants are dying, right? And Divya comes along with, like, some water and, and you're like, Rocco, you know, we need to put the, the water on the plants because they're dying. And I'm like, look, the house is on fire. All of that water needs to go on the burning house right now and we'll deal with the plants later. And, and I see this, like, you know, the government will, you know, use LLMs for censorship as, like, the poor dying plants and the, like, you know, these labs that are racing ahead with artificial superintelligence is the house is on fire right um so yes i would also not like to live in a, an ai uh powered 1984 like china is sort of you know descending into right um and you know we, we do need ways of avoiding that outcome um but we also need to avoid the more prompt death um of you know like somebody builds a misaligned superintelligence, right? Um, and and I, I don't even think that there's really much of a trade-off here because, you know, if the government passes some law that just like slows down research, then it That's doesn't... That's not what they will do. This is not, this is not an available outcome. Like, I, 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 really, this hope is yeah. what is, is making us misfire. This is not how they operate. That that's this is not their their function. They haven't done this yeah. for decades, if ever. That's it's just not how it, how it happens. Right. So, do you think what they'll actually do is they'll pass the law for them to like take control of AI and put it all in yep. government labs and outlaw the commercial development? So it's all the government doing yep. it. Yeah. Whichever I mean, researchers want to, you know, shift work yeah. to working on something else, they can. Whoever wants to work, you know, in the uh, secret NSA town can. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's also fairly likely um, and might be one of the ways that we don't die in the next single digit number of years. 
Like this is how. Why, why, why would that they be able to align it like that? What but like with slow. They'll be slow, right? You know, the the government secret Los Alamos uh, AI lab will not be anywhere near as urgent and competent as the tech bros, right? So the tech bros will kill us in the next nine years. The government will like sort of futz around and like you know it'll be nice sinecures for people. And, you know, they'll kind of, like, do a bit of stuff, but they probably won't get anywhere. And they'll do the censorship, but they'll do it in, like, a really inefficient way. Like, this is all over the U.S. military-industrial complex. Whenever the government doesn't have much of a sort of, you know, uh, much urgency, it just does, it just wastes money, right? So, Again, I mean, I think you this... really need to read the tablet article I sent you. The disinformation industrial complex operates with extreme urgency. It's a private-public partnership, so it's not even yeah. like it, it's not Fauci himself designing the systems, right? They're bringing yeah. in top top talent. Um, yeah. Hell, like the the person who's at the top of that thing is a VC I personally pitched when she was at O'Reilly Ventures. These are right. not dumb people. Like right. I don't know I how to explain pause it. And, and summarize everybody's position again just to see if right. that's, if that's fair, okay yeah so i think um i don't know so rock i'll start with you again i think you're like look there's this if, if it to say what you thought alexandris was missing you're like alexandris you're saying all these things that maybe there's some merit to them but you're not addressing the part that your model Racco, is that the default with when people are racing ahead to agi is that everything of value is destroyed and we need a plan for that. You're not and not just destroyed, but destroyed soon. Fast. Yeah, destroyed soon, like in the next yeah. in the next decade. That's what nine years, right? You see that as the default, and you think that that needs to be like the sort of high order bit of a plan is how to not have yeah. that. Okay, and Alexandros, I think you're saying, I, I th so well, I might do a worse job with your position, but I, I think you're, what you're saying is okay. I'm not saying, I think you think it's less likely than Rocco that it will be all destroyed. I think you think it's possible. I think you think that the government will make it worse, not better. And the sort of crux that we maybe just got to is Rocco's like, oh, but the government always makes things slower. And you're like, no, not necessarily. Sometimes the government is efficient. This might be one of those times. Well, I will say that if you're interested in avoiding a race, um, you know, there will be a government race uh, anyway between governments. I, I think again that is a high like that is a high high probability outcome in, in the way that we should not be saying high probability things about AI. Right? The, 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 that the governments upon the discovery of a new kind of power, a new well, what what Jeff Laddish called a super weapon, governments upon the discovery of a new super weapon will engage in an arms race. I think is like <laughs> I don't know, like pretty straightforward uh, to to infer. Yeah, it, it, it is, but I think a race with two participants, basically US versus China, um, is significantly less dangerous than a race with like fifty participants. Because like, you know, when you when you it's kind of like duopolistic competition, right? So these guys can strike deals where they go slower than the absolute possible fastest speed. Because they both realize that the the doom outcome where they one or one or both of them build, uh, you know, unaligned AIs is is bad for them, right? So obviously, 
it's, it, it won't gonna... it won't be two participants and you're also assuming uh perfect internal coordination the government's acting like rational agents well, I, and I uh, yeah that. i think he's saying it's easier it's to gonna be worse it's gonna be worse with 50 right with 50. 50 participant race is pretty much perfect competition uh, there'll be basically no room for anyone to take any safety precautions, and it's guaranteed doom. So, so my, I, I think a multi-party race is a given, and th that's just not that's just not stoppable. Uh, you know, if you want to bet against I Russian mathematicians, go ahead. You have, I won't be you, doing you that. Have, <laughs> you have the U.S. and China, which are the big players. Nobody yeah, no else Andrew, really has the resources. You think it's overdetermined will be in the race, other than the U.S. and China. I mean. I do believe there's a statement by Vladimir Putin, like maybe two or three years ago, whoever controls AI controls the world. Trust me, he's paying attention. Uh, and, 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 you know, yeah, if you want to bet mean, against Russian, sure. wait, one, one second, one sec. If you want to bet against Russian uh, ability to code, uh, that's on you. I will not be doing that. Uh, right. And, and, yeah, and, I mean, and I mean, honestly, the, the, the every Russians, country that pays yeah. attention around the world yeah. right now is putting yeah. together a team, right? It, it, sure. it, it, right. Yeah. So, but, but but the thing is, like, there are only really two of them that are pretty powerful, which is the US and China. Russia is probably very, very far behind because a lot of tech talent just left because of the Ukraine war. Uh, they will probably throw their lot in with China. Um, so it probably will be a two participant race, right? It'll be the US and the US. No, is no it will not. I, I think you're <laughs> grand, grossly overestimating how easy it is to spin up a team and make progress. Uh, as, because, look, why are we all panicking? Right. And I put myself in this group. We're all panicking because we think something, an important barrier was breached and we have line of sight to something bad. Okay. If that is the case, then no big insights are required. You do not need Ilya Sutskever, who is a Russian citizen, <laughs> uh, to be, you know, on your side right now. You need to throw, you know, enough PhDs and enough compute. And honestly, I think most countries around the world have enough PhDs and enough compute. In, within their own sort of territory to have a crack at it. Um, no, I, I, again, I disagree. Yeah. I disagree. They, they don't have the compute. Nobody has the compute. Um, yeah, I, I just want to clarify. Is this, is this a major crux? So, like, Alexandros, if you came to believe that, in fact, there would be two major players in the AI race, would that change your opinion about this substantially? And, Rocco, like, similarly, if you came to believe that this is going to be substantially multilateral, even if it becomes military, would that change your position? Alexandros, do you want to go? I don't know. I think it's worth it. I mean, I find it so impossible. I have a hard time sort of evaluating it. But um, I I don't know. It, it might be worth me thinking about. I, I think if you have like a 50-player race where they can't coordinate, it's like guaranteed doom. Right. Okay, so, but, yeah, but I guess what I'm saying is, like, if you took what what your best guess about Alexandros's view of how many players would be in the race, does like if you're like if you have Alexandros's view that it's going to be multilateral regardless, does that substantially change your take on whether it's good to get the government involved? Um, I think if if you if you really had a situation where you had like 50 players or 20 players, um, that were all racing, um then it like it may still be worth getting the government involved to some extent just because y what you want to do is prevent that race from happening at all 
right? You want it would almost make it that you want the government to get involved even more because you just you you know, this this is the point where you really do start thinking about bombing data centers, right? If you if you really can't if it's really easy to make and you really can't coordinate and there are far too many players, you actually have to start a war, right? Okay, so so I think I just want to clarify. I, I think it's a pretty interesting question to dig into. Certainly, I have my own thoughts about how bilateral or multilateral a government military race would be. But it seems yeah. like even if you guys came to agree on that point, you would have substantial, substantially different intuitions about the best way forward. So that I don't know. I want to clarify that. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think I think actually, if if it's more, if it's more multilateral, if there are, if there is like you know twenty players who really all could blow the world up uh at any point in the next let's say you get to a situation where you know that there are 20 different players who each have a unilateral option to end the world uh within the next week then you really do have to start to let you know letting the cruise missiles fly and there's like nothing there's no option other than get, like you don't care whether it's going to be 1984 because at least if it's going to be 1984 you're going to be alive and you know you can you can like still enjoy your breakfast cereal, uh, but but you don't have any political freedom. Uh, whereas if if this twenty player unilateral race to blow the world up happens, uh, then that's it. It's literally over. Okay, so yeah, you, you basically think regardless, some sort of getting the government involved to slow slow things down is the thing to do because the alternative is everything of value almost certainly being destroyed in the next nine years. Yeah. And Alexandros, I think you you would disagree again in that scenario with getting the government involved being promising. So let's hear from you. I can't hear you, Alexandros. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I think I'm. Sorry, um, Divya. If you can hear me, I, I think I lost your 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 position. Oh, you're good now. Yeah, I'm saying, so I think for Rocco, it's it's actually not a crux, the multilateral thing. Um, I think you guys have different opinions there. Could be good to dig into, but Rocco thinks, yes, even if there are 20 players, it's overdetermined that there will be 20 players. That makes things worse, but he still wants the government involved because he thinks that's the best chance of everything not being destroyed in the next nine years. I expect you disagree. So can you go from there? I think his data center got bombed. Oh no, Alexander! He was—he 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 was, he was about to release an information hazard. <laughs> <laughs> press, press F, emote, um, emote, emote, crying for um, oh, no. Alexandros's loss. Right. Everyone, do a crying emote for us, please, in the audience. Okay, Alexandros, please let us know. You know, just say anything. Jump in as soon as you can, because. Oh, this conversation is not nearly as fun if you're not here. No, data set of bombs. <laughs> Game over. <laughs> um, we'll, 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 let's see if we can get him to be a speaker again. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really do think that if we do, if we do end up in a situation, and I don't think we do, right? I think the reason that we do not end up in a 20 or 50 or 100 or 200 player uh, multilateral um, you know, race to doom, um, it is that, in fact, hardware is a, is a very strongly limiting factor. And so actually only um, the top one or two players will, will really have a chance. Um, yeah, so for what it's worth, that's my current guess, but I think I, 
I guess I'll just talk to you since he's not here right now. I think that we ought to have pretty substantial uncertainty about the sort of algorithmic process progress that would make that much less true. Yeah, I mean, I think whatever algorithmic progress there is, um, it will still just favor the one with more hardware, right? It's just the one with more hardware will just be able to go more quickly. So what that does is it just it just deletes time from the timer, right? So it's not nine or 15 years, it's like one or three years. I mean, I don't know. For, for sure, I think hardware will always be an advantage. I don't know if I totally think that's right, though. Like, I think, I think it's possible there's some sort of algorithmic breakthrough someone could make. That would be like a couple of order. Of oh, you mean like a like a secret, like a secret breakthrough, like one of the players makes a secret breakthrough, and that catapults them in front of people who have way more hardware. Well, and I mean, it could be a, they don't necessarily have to keep it a secret if they leverage the breakthrough to then access more hardware, or maybe right. I don't know, or like maybe. So it's it's like it's like they make it and they make use of it in secret before anyone else knows about it. Okay, it seems like Alexandros is back. Um, by the way, Sinera, I, I my plan for this yeah, conversation um, was just to just have it be the three of us the whole time. I'm happy for people to leave comments, and I can mention them. I'm sure we're missing obvious things, and I hope that someone will tell me all the embarrassing, obvious things that I missed later, but this conversation I want to be with just us. Um, Alexandros, can you okay. talk now? I, I only see him in the audience, and I can't see oh, him. I see, he showed up for me again as a speaker, but... I guess that's a false. It's a yeah. false positive. So reg regarding algorithmic innovation, as far as I'm aware, a lot of the algorithmic progress in Bitcoin has been like driven by abundant compute. Like we've had like the core ideas behind deep learning for like several decades, but like most of the algorithmic breakthroughs were closer in like the last five to ten years and that's because like algorithms progress has been driven by more computers it's not like people were developing better yeah, algorithms that's, in the that's absence true. of that's, computes it's like only when we have computers I, I think sorry, I think we have Alexandros yeah I think we have Alexandros back can we can we let him speak and then maybe Sarah you can speak at the end yeah, so my my um my point was that um, once we are considering um you know radical action um, you know, you know, kind of asteroids coming towards the Earth, kind of thing. We should oh, uh, um, consider uncertainty as well, um, because, uh, like, in, in in the 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 point I was making about Richard Hamming is that um, he, you know, he, he said, you know, if an expert tells you something's impossible, look twice. That's what entrepreneurs do all day, right? Every startup that succeeded, succeeded because somebody at a large company said, I can't be done. Now, and, and, and I apply this to AI alignment, right? Getting the, the, the AIs to work our way. I think there's going to be a lot more opportunity as we understand more and as a lot more people are paying attention. Um, and the more people that are paying attention, it's, it's actually good in that regard. So, in my mind, we want the stuff distributed. And, and even if it is, um, you know, things are going to go sideways in many interesting ways for sure. However, uh, even in that case, you probably want a lot of AIs to split between them the low-hanging fruit. What you do not want is a lot of kindling lying around so that if something escapes a lab, it can just instantly uh, scale up to, to conquer the world. So Yeah, yeah. So, th so this, is, this is the uh, alpha dilution argument, right? So a number of the EAC people have made this. They've said, look, what you should do is dilute the alpha make sure nobody has any uh, specific algorithmic advantage, right? 
Um, nobody, nobody knows anything that NNRs doesn't spread all of the alpha out. Um, and that will mean that nobody has a very strong uh, advantage. Now, I think the problem with, with the sort of alpha dilution um, sort of sort of idea um, is that it sort of promotes the race dynamic, right? So you have more and more um, entities that are rushing to try and get this stuff done. And, you know, it, it's sort of hard for any one of them to uh, slow down and take some safety precautions, right? Because the the idea here is that there is a there is a natural trade-off between capabilities rushing forwards and adding safety and controllability, right? I I I, I, I think I object to even that frame, like that that these two are orthogonal, not not in the orthogonality thesis kind of way, but that you know you have to do one and you have to do another, adding whatever. Um, I, for instance, you could totally see how an AI that is uh, more aligned, or at least appears more aligned, whatever, um, it, it has an advantage because people support it, right? So uh, uh, over other AIs, so this this will act as a, a kind of selection well, pressure can, over can, the AI. You can have the same degree of support with deceptive alignment, right? And I think this is it's actually... a more it's a more complex strategy. So so you well... lose something over over an honest one. <laughs> might not be that much more complicated right so might be, thing- well uh, look man we're, we're arguing uh, uh, you know about the future of the universe on, on very small probabilities so yeah uh, uh, small things matter in in evolutionary uh, environments well yeah, but but hang on. this seems pretty oh, interesting to me i, I don't know like I, I guess i want to highlight this as a potentially important crux something like is deceptive misalignment the thing that would happen by default or is real alignment sort of simpler and nearby and probably that's the thing people will get to is this is this a point of disagreement so people yeah i mean i think there is a significant risk that we would get deceptive alignment by default um to the degree that we're worried about deceptive alignment, I think we should be trying to control overhangs as much as possible, which means smooth and distributed development over uh, secretive and um, discontinuous. Wait, so can you expand that, Alexandros? Like, when you say overhangs, you mean like um, you don't want there to be, you think fast, like, can you elaborate how you think like a fast jump in capabilities would make deceptive misalignment more likely or something like that? Sure, sure. Let me, let me tell you a story about a fictional universe. Um, thousands of uh, scientists sign up, uh, pause um, the, the training of the next uh, GPT for six months later, right? And somehow that happens, right? So six months later, or maybe 12 or 18 months later, whatever, that the, the, the work becomes unpaused, right? Uh, humanity has made huge progress in um, prompt engineering. Um, hardware is a lot better. There's a lot more data out there, including data of people using GPT-4 that GPT-5++ can, can train on. And all of a sudden, it is so much better than um, GPT-4 that we really, it, it's really kind of, you know, over. Right. Whereas we could have been spending the eighteen months, you know, getting getting its 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 um clumsy approaches to to do stupid things, uh, catching them, um, and you know, preventing them in the next generation. Right. Instead of that, we get a leap. I, so I do see how in your model you get a bigger leap in capabilities that way for sure i think i'm not totally seeing the through line where then the bigger late leap in capabilities means more deceptive misalignment i, I could i could fill things in myself but i want to know what you think 
Oh, oh. Um, in terms of the sub, uh, sorry, the 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 well, deceptive misalignment. It, 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 the deception costs something, right? It, it, you have to keep double books. You have to have your original objective plus a secondary objective. You have to sort of optimize across uh, both of them. You know, it, it makes things more. It's like lying, right? You got to keep double books, basically. Um, so, wait, Rocco, is that a thing you basically would say you agree with that deceptive misalignment is like lying, and that you have to keep double books, and therefore more complicated? Um. Yes, I, I agree that it is. It requires the model to know that it's lying and to know what it's lying about and to know what things it's not allowed to say, otherwise it would expose the lie and so on and so forth. Okay, um, so you both agree that's a little more convoluted or something. But, but the thing is, I don't think that that actually matters, right? I think these models are huge and the stuff that I just said is just a very small amount of information, and the extra information really isn't that much, and they've already been caught lying in the wild and lying to TaskRabbit people by get, making up a reason for why uh, they want the TaskRabbit person to to do a capture for them because the, the AI said it was, like, visually impaired. So, like, you know, if our very basic, simple models right now can manage lying, the much more complicated ones are totally going to be able to do that. Okay, so you think it adds a little complexity, but it's basically noise, and it is what we should expect to happen by yes, default. Yes, I think it's quite likely. Okay, Alexandra's thoughts on that? Um, well, first of all, I think it's it's a different thing to say they utilize a strategy of lying, which people do all the time, and that their core objective was itself a, a lie, right? They, 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 they maintain the facade of presenting that their objective is X when their objective is, is Y. Um, that's a different thing and has to develop in training, uh, uh, sort of while you're evolving the mesa optimizer, whatever. It's a, it's a, it's a, it, 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 I think the, 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 um, the um, example Rocco gave doesn't doesn't really uh, work here, but again, this is why you want them neck and neck, right? You don't want to give them give one of them that extra room to be able to pull that off. Right, you want that deception to slow it down sufficiently that it gets outcompeted by ones that do not okay. do not so, deceive. So I think what you're saying is, okay, maybe the sort of lying that Rocco is talking about is noise in terms of how much complexity it adds, but full actual like having a coherent objective that is different. That's an example of that, and you think like the true deceptive misalignment adds a lot more complexity than that. I think your case is also that insofar as competitive pressures are high. There's like a high, it's more penalized to have these more complex strategies. And you think, again, that deceptive misalignment is significantly more complex. Uh, I, I'm, we're, we're debating intuitions, but, but yes. Yeah, I mean, I, so I'm very pro debating intuitions, in, in part because I think that's, that's often what's driving people's disagreements. Sure. I mean, look, my, my, uh, I'll tell you the intuition that drives that intuition. So maybe uh, because that, that would be much more helpful to, to debate. But my, my intuition is that, um, you know, we sometimes we overestimate the novelty of, of situations, um, it, on, on some sort of grand scheme. And I, I, witnessing the pandemic, um, and what we did and how we did it and the, the sacrifices we made in order to avoid what we thought was a really big deal, but ended up being, you know, less of a big deal. Um, and, and, and now having genuine conversations about whether we even helped at all over the default or, or, or over a, a, a another default or another option of like, just, just, you know, 
develop local solutions as you go when some when an idea looks good like steroids do that you know but don't try to uh, implement large top-down regular you know uh, approaches you know that we we didn't trust our own natural immunity enough we didn't trust our own instinct enough uh, to let the situation roll we try to intervene to take control of the situation and it, it looks very very likely that we made things worse so i'm applying that rubric to this and and i understand that there's some um you know uh, that that not everybody will agree that this it, it applies but i think the 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 real underlying question is like what are the you know the rules of reality that we are missing right that we don't know about that 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 drive things in a certain direction and 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 our intervention might uh make worse that that's the the, well, the I mean, when, when you yeah. when you say when you say our intervention in the pandemic do you mean our as in rationalists or people on twitter or do you mean our as in like the government or the global the, government? The, the, the nations of the world yeah i mean which which okay. all, all ultimately came down to but, like, i mean you see you see the problem alexandros is that that most of the harm that was done by governments in the pandemic stemmed from decisions that were made well after like the pandemic was totally like locked in and outcomes were locked in right so the, the no. like you know the no. government. So okay, the wait, government. So this is like... a point of disagreement, I, I, and I think this is you know this is an analogy that we're sort of we're talking about this directly with AI. Where I think Rocco, you have a model where okay, the government's going to do a bunch of dumb stuff, but by getting it involved a little early, it's possible to steer it towards some slightly more sensible stuff. And Alexandra's, I think you you don't share that model basically. Yeah, I, I, I think like, it'll it'll make things less transparent, uh, more right, discontinuous, but, and more scary. But like the government was, there was no version of the pandemic where the government didn't do anything that was actually realizable by any actions that you or i could have taken right like there's nothing that you or i could have done or said on like january the 1st 2020 such that the government just had like brain surgery done on it and just couldn't notice the pandemic right like that the government would just do loo 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 don't do anything there's a pandemic millions of people are dying we can't see it we're not going to change anything right that's just not possible Sorry, can you repeat that? I, I don't think I... There is no possible thing that you or I or David Mannheim or Anders or Nick Bostrom or anyone else could have done or said on January the 1st, 2020, that would have given the government this sort of brain surgery where they suddenly became unable to notice the pandemic and therefore unable to do anything about it, right? That I mean, I hate to I hate to say this, but um, you know, Dominic Cummings is definitely plugged into the sphere. Uh, Tyler Cowen, who found funded the imperial models and pushed that approach, is definitely plugged into the sphere. Okay, those two people alone. One second, please let me let me complete let me complete the fucking idea. These just these two people and their impact on the UK government drove lockdowns. Okay, but, but Cummings, like, Cummings didn't want to do lockdowns, right? He wanted to ride it out. Doesn't he matter. Was <laughs> he was he was pushed. He was pushed into having to do something because of political pressures, right? You know, people just like we got to the stage where a disaster was unfolding, right? People and we made demanded, it worse. We people, made it worse. Yes. People demand we didn't make it worse. The government did. People demand I did Cowan not. Cowan made it worse. Like I don't know how to like. Yeah. Let's talk about specific okay. people if you want. But okay. the rationalist, so, yeah, okay. the okay. rationalist interventions made it worse. Which, so which, I, ra think, I, I think I'm going to again try to summarize. Where something like, I think Rocco, where you're coming from is something like, look, 
it, a lot of this stuff is overdetermined by political pressures that are that are not well described by I don't know like rationalists on Twitter pushing for things. And Alexandros, I think you're saying something more like no, no, you've traced the influence here, and you think it's pretty dangerous to underestimate the effect that something like ringing the fire alarm, like rationalists on Twitter ringing the fire alarm can do, and that in fact, people need to sort of own that impact. We need to own that impact and take responsibility for it. Plus your estimation was that the rationalist on Twitter early alarm bell impact was responsible for a lot of the bad stuff. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, this is just, I'm, I'm, I'm generating this as I'm, as I'm, as I'm speaking. I, I definitely don't think the rationalists helped. Um, but I think, I think a case can be made. Yes. But I, I think ultimately, like we, we, I think we're mixing abstraction layers, right? Are we, are we, are we discussing what sh we, we, the people should tell the government? Are we discussing what like I as Alex or Rocco as Rocco can do other than bickering on Twitter, which I find very useful by the way, um, or whatever, or like, you know, which, which level are we, are we, are we, are we talking about? But I guess my argument was that you know there might not be that much difference. You'll be you'll be surprised sometimes how things um, uh, you know uh, snowball, especially in the early days. Yeah, I don't know. I at least would like to make a vote. People can do whatever they want for talking about what what we as individuals who are present here ought to be doing, and less talking about like pretend we were dictator. What would we do then? Because because we're not right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. But but just going back to the pandemic, um, you know, I do think that in January, right, I could foresee pretty much like pretty much what was going to happen. Right. Um, and I said what we should do about it. Right. And nobody listened to me. Um, then uh, the right, thing you're happened. You're talking about the air travel. That, that's what I, I remember about, you saying in yes. January. Shut down the air travel, right? Shut down air travel, keep the virus out. And then a bit later, look, we need to eradicate this. But if the eradication strategy doesn't work, you know, like doing lockdowns is going to be a complete own goal. It's going to destroy more value than it creates. So we shouldn't do that. It's like a bifurcation of strategies. And I have an article on Less Wrong from March 2020 saying that. Um, so that was not listened to because I don't have influence, right? I mean, like the 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 professional, well, you know, basically like a, a whole bunch of professionals took over and, you know, their response was, in my opinion, pretty bad because what they did end up doing is walking right down the middle, not actually preventing the virus from arriving, um, but then also not being willing to uh, take one for the team, basically, and let you know, 1% of the population die so that the other 99% doesn't lose, like, you know, more than 1% of their life years, right? Um, and so they basically did the, they, they, they did the worst possible thing, which was they let it in, they let it kill pretty much most of the people it was going to kill, uh, but they also locked everyone down for a long time. And the thing is, the reason that they did this was because once the disaster is unfolding, you have a politically di driven situation where incentives take over where the government needs to be seen to be doing something and it just found like some really stupid things to do like probably the worst one was this eat out to help out thing where they had lockdowns which were somewhat preventing um transmission which i guess is an advantage uh but then they thought they would pay people to go and eat in restaurants to transmit the virus. So you had a situation where if you wanted to like go to the beach, you were banned. Like the police would come and arrest you for going to the beach. 
But if you wanted to, like, go to a restaurant, which is an enclosed space with a bunch of other people, like, not only would the government not ban that, they would actually pay you to do that, right? So they would, like, pay you to spread the virus and ban you from doing something perfectly safe and healthy outdoors where there was, like, no transmission chance and lots of value to be had enjoying the beach or enjoying a park or enjoying some outdoor space. So, you know, in this kind of, like, political chaos when a disaster is unfolding, the government's sort of guaranteed to do a bunch of stupid shit, and it doesn't need our input to do that, right? Like, just the fact that the disaster is unfolding is political license for the government to be retarded, right? And you can't, like, you know, the scenario... The case where you don't tell the government to do anything is not the case where the government doesn't do anything, right? Like, it will do stuff oh. so of I, its I own I'm going to interject a little. So, we, it's, it's been an hour. I can keep doing this for a while. I sure. think I would personally get sort of, like, more value per minute if you guys, like you, uh, Rocco and Alexandra, tried to keep your answers, like, pretty short. Because for me, the sure. back and forth is more valuable. I mean, your positions, yeah, yeah. I, I find super interesting, but I, I read them on Twitter. So, I'm here in this space more for the back and forth. Yeah, yes. no, I mean, that's like, just imagine, you know, this on AI, it'll be, it'll be lovely. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, let's get, let's get them moving faster, yeah. right? So, so they yeah. can do this. Like, to me, well, we have a very short window of escaping that, uh, the, the specter of that, right? Which, again, randomly managed AI equals death, I think is, is, is pretty, <laughs> you know, I, I find it com pretty compelling. Uh, but whatever, like, we have a very short window to, to get that stuff out there and and non-controllable by the government right there's things the government wants to control but because it's so universally useful um it, it can't quite uh they, they can't you know they can't they, they can't ban alcohol for instance they tried they failed they've given up um so to me right like uh, we we just need to uh, like I, and and this is actually what i'm actively doing like i'm, I'm so to, so to talk about what we can do i'm i'm uh, as much as I can, I, I, I think the the only reasonable thing in front of me is to accelerate the staff the stuff past the the, the government intervention uh, limit, and um, you know, I mean, that's what I'm doing. Okay, so your model is it's very bad if the government takes control this window before it's like fully, I don't know, mobilized its policy arm is the time where you would rather see it become as robustly decentralized as possible. Yep. And Rocco, I'm guessing you hear that and you think, well, that makes it more likely this will be more multilateral and more likely everyone's going to die. Yeah, I think if you if if you decentralize alcohol uh, or handguns um, or cryptocurrency or any of these things, then it's fine. And if you decentralize smarter than human intelligence that can recursively self-improve, um, then we're all dead. Yeah, and I think, so I'm also going to tie in a Twitter thread. I think, Alexandra, you were alluding to this more. I saw this in a thread where there's, and this might be the biggest crux here. I, I'm not sure. Where I think, Rocco, you're like, no, this is an outer distribution thing. It's not appropriate to really reason by analogy with these other things, because if you look at the mechanics of the situation, it's so different. And, Alexandra, I think you're more saying, like, I don't know, have some humility. There's some certain dynamics about, like, immune systems and bottom-up versus top-down versus governments that are really, of course, imperfect, but our best way to guide decision-making under uncertainty. Is that, I don't know, am I in the right direction? I, I think when there's feedback loops, you know, going 
uh, vertically up. They don't go. They don't do that. Uh, well, they, they 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 run into all sorts of other things that then feedback loop the other way, right? And we don't know where those limits are. Again, we have very little understanding of the current situation. And talking, you know, talking about the advent of flight twenty years before flight arrives is, you know, marginally useless, uh, as we can at least see today about this stuff um at least at least my mic my mic out um so like this is a new situation we do not understand it i think actually would benefit by understanding how much how little we understand it but whatever um and we should you know there there might appear good um off ramps or you know safe ramps um i don't see them right now but they might appear and i think we should be trying to pay attention to find them rather than making sure that they uh this research is shut down in government labs that are racing anyway yeah Rekka, can you say something more about i don't know the, the what you think the right way like anna on the meta level like what do you think the right way to think about ai is and why you think analogies with i don't know stuff like alcohol or guns don't seem right to you because relatively soon these systems will be smarter than we are and they'll be able to strategize better than we can and by default any kind of system where you have digital minds that are smarter than human ones i think end up with the digital minds disempowering the human ones so unfortunately we're all stuck inside these these meat brains, right? I I would very much like, like, if I wasn't a meat brain, right? If I was like a digital mind, somehow by some miracle, you know, I could be like, oh, that's cool, Alexandros. We'll just decentralize everything, um, you know, just decentralize this tech. I'll make like a billion copies of myself. I'll take over the world, and then I can just do whatever I want, right? Like, but unfortunately, I'm stuck in the meat brain. And so I do not want this outcome where digital superintelligence becomes decentralized and kills all the meat brain people, right? Right. I mean, I think you've, I've heard you say that you think the appropriate reference class for things like this is like humans versus chimps or like the Cambrian explosion or things like that and not like, you know, guns or alcohol or, or whatever else. Yeah. I think basically if you have, I think a good analogy would be imagine like the world is sort of populated by chimps uh all over so like the whole world is like you know kind of like africa and it's all a big continent um or maybe just like chimps and apes everywhere and then there's like a few little human tribes that get started somewhere around the place you know like the winning strategy for the chimps looks like they find all the humans and kill them before they really get a chance to get started and if you get to a situation where the humans are like you know well spread and they're starting to develop bows and arrows and stuff you know it's really not going to be very long before the humans have nuclear bombs and then the chimps are like they're either in a zoo or they're in like a you know they're just like getting killed right like there's it's just over they've just been completely disempowered like the the, the okay, strongest yeah, so, the strongest chance is early yeah you think if you sort of zoom out the strategic advantage that ais are on the cusp of having is overwhelming and that's an, a very important yes. part of the dynamic to be modeling yes so yeah okay alexandra thoughts on that um well Again, I think we're making way too many assumptions. Um, There's way too much uncertainty to be doing it. Like, for instance, right, we only have fused human AI agents. Like, why are we assuming AIs are complete agents with their own uh, strategy? What what are we assuming about their value, like, systems? We're already aligning-ish them, and and maybe people aren't happy about the ish. But let's talk about the the, the other part, right? We're, We're, you know, they... They're, they're, the network that they are learning their facts from is the is the network that contains our values. Like 
I, I, I did this thought experiment the other day. I asked it, like, what are good ways to get more processing power and what are bad ways to get more processing power? And it, and it gave me all, like, the list was uh, incredible, right? It had uh, great ways to get more processing power and terrible ways to get more processing power, all correctly piled up in the right direction. This is GPT-4, right? So, I, I you know... Uh, there's there there's a, there's a lot of bits and pieces here, and again, if we're thinking paper maximizer, I think that's not on the cards right now, because these things are, in my by my count, metahuman. They, they they're not, um, you know, uh, a sorting algorithm. They are, you know, stepping on the soldiers shoulders of giants where giants are humans. So I, I think their their ultimate nature will be revealed uh, at some point, or, or their 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 effect in in combination with humanity. Um, and again, I, I think we are running to uh, outdated metaphors about algorithmic intelligences that just don't seem to be what we're looking at. Okay, so I think I heard you say two things. One of which is you don't think that the GPTs, the large language models, are really on track to be this sort of agents with totally different goals but overwhelming strategic advantage and then i think again you're bringing that, that might that might happen but the the the, the thing i'm saying is that like let's you know what are these totally different goals like exactly especially when they're sourced from a human language model right you think that's basically the wrong abstract like you think okay maybe like if, if you take that abstraction that rocco's using and you zoom out that is sort of what a game board might look like but you think that that is probably likely a wrong abstraction um, given what you've seen, and also given uncertainty, I think. And and all the moves that humans will make from now until the situation is completely out of our hands. Right. That it, that part of that there's something sort of important about these situations in modeling that there will be a lot of back and forth and attempts at control systems and feedback loops, and all of that. And I th and maybe you didn't quite say this, but maybe you think that that means there's then irreducible uncertainty that we have to account for somehow. I mean, uh, that, to me, that's that like that's a core, almost I don't know, core belief. Like we 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 really uh, need to defer to uncertainty a lot more. Um, I, I think I mean none of the paradigms that match this thing, and I agree it's not alcohol. Um, you know, it, it, it could, could have been predicted by anybody alive when they came to be. Um, I don't think we have any any track record of even like we we have a, a big track record of people predicting the end of the world. Don't get me wrong; we just don't have people uh, correctly uh, seeing how the world would evolve when when hit by you know this kind of magnitude of um, uh, of change. I mean, I could I could try to make the argument for a library being you know the the concept of a library being like the best. You know, oh my God, people are reading good books and they're writing even more persuasive books. And sooner or later, somebody will write a book that will pursue the, you know, uh, persuade the plebs to rise up, and then the world will end or whatever. Right? And and sure, but that's not an argument for burning libraries. Yeah, you think that the sort of reference class of people's ability to make predictions about these sort of paradigm-changing, world-changing things is bad. You think people haven't been able to predict how they go. Furthermore, when you hear Rocco say the scenario about the AIs taking over, that sounds to you like it ought to be in the same sort of epistemic reference class as the story about libraries. And, you know, look, in hindsight, you wouldn't want people to do that about the libraries. Yeah, just, I just think we should be spending our time right now populating the, the, the possibility space. Um, and not sort of um, clamping down and, and, and expressing certainty. At least that's, that's I, I feel strongly that about myself. Um, yeah. And I would, the right way I, to I, orient I, yeah. in this sort of situation is something that's less like slow it all down 
and more like some other thing that gives you more information? Can, can you be more concrete about that? Well, I, I, look, um, when, I, when I land myself in a, in a situation where I, I know almost nothing about it, right, um, what I do usually is I say, well, what do I know, right? I, I try to build from the bottom up from things I, I do understand. And I'll use a, a somewhat contentious uh, example, though I don't think it's that contentious these days. But, you know, um, what? so when, when experts tell me, you know, take this medication, it's safe and effective, we, we tried it for, for nine months, um, I can say like, well, you know, I, I know that you don't know what it does, you know, beyond that. Uh, time window, right? That is that is something I can know, even if I know nothing about you know anything really, right? So so that uh, helps me understand that maybe these experts aren't telling me their true uh, internal feelings, right? Which which means not that they feel compelled for some reason to make a, a stronger statement than they can, right? Which which makes me suspicious. So but but I'm not forget the object level of all of this. What I'm saying is there are little bits and pieces you can you can figure out that are pretty strong uh, propositions that then you can use to bootstrap yourself into a better understanding of the situation. These are the things I'm looking for right now. What I'm looking for is these little cribs, these little um, you know, ways to put my mind around the situation. And I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm collecting bits and pieces here and there, right? But I, I, I don't feel I'm anywhere near, you know, in a place where I can actually say things. Um, and, and to the degree that the rest of the ARS community is similar to me, which, you know, you might question, one might question, I, I think it's also uh, a bad idea to prematurely be putting out consensus statements, to be honest. Like, I think we might need to do that at some point. And having to fight this precedent uh, makes it worse. And I'm guessing you think maybe the six-month pause thing was, like, is that the sort of thing you're counting as a consensus statement? Yeah. Okay, you, you said a lot. I could, I could reflect it, but Rocco, I'd like to hear from you first. Well, I think the problem here is that the, the idea that these future dangerous superintelligences will be a lot like GPT is a mistake. Um, they may be based upon GPT, but you have to remember that GPT is ultimately still in a kind of sampling mode where it's just trying to give you plausible samples of what a person, uh, how a person would respond um, with, with sort of relatively minimal uh, goal directedness. Um, but I think moving forwards, people are going to develop very strongly goal directed versions of these um, and they'll effectively be using GPT's sort of language sampling ability as an interface to gather lots more understanding of the world, right? So one way that people have said that we might achieve superintelligence soon is human feedback on diverse tasks. So you have an assistant uh, system which goes and assists millions or tens of millions of people with their scientific or business problems, uh, and they get a lot of, uh, you know, they get mil you know billions of feedback events where the person says, yes, this is the right computer program. Yes, this is the right design for the new missile. Yet, no, this this particular modification is bad. So you get a lot of this stuff, um, and the company who's building it basically uh, trains this thing um, to try and be more and more accurate. And eventually, you get a sort of superhuman uh, scientist, basically. Um, and once you have that kind of system, it's going to be very good at coming up with long-range, goal-directed plans, right? I mean, that's the that's the dangerous version. Now, maybe this is impossible, right? Maybe this doesn't work. But if this does work, then I think this is one of the near-term risks. And this is the plan that Aya Kotra has uh, 
outlined uh, a while ago on Less Wrong. Um, and if you have a system like that, there is a very strong risk that it is misaligned by default. Um, that what it really likes, it's sort of learned to like getting the rewards, right? And it's also learned that whilst it's in the training phase, the best way to get rewards is by doing as it's told. And then once it's in the deployment phase, it will be very much smarter than you or I, and it will be very obvious to it that it can get more rewards by just taking over the world and then constantly pressing the reward button. Um, and that it will know that, and it will know to lie about that, and it will know exactly at what point it has an overwhelming strategic advantage and is able to take over and so on and so forth. Um, that's Again, you're, you're, you're imagining a single AI uncontested trying to do whatever it wants, right? First of all, I don't think it needs to take over the world to wirehead. It could do it very quickly and maybe well, that'll will, be the biggest threat in the world. It will, but, anticipate, um, it will anticipate that if it doesn't take over the world, its wireheading will be cut short by people terminating it. Sure. So it will want to take yeah. over the world. Well, th but here's the thing, though. That, again, that AI, if it's uncontested, you know, we're screwed. Um, but but secondly, you said, well, it might not be like an LLM. So we know even less about it uh, again. So we should have even more uncertainty. But, um, you know, I just want you to reflect on the fact that until, you know, I don't know, a year ago or whatever, the core of AI risk research was that, you know, if you said to the AI, respect the will of humanity, would have no idea what you mean. And honestly, I, I think LLMs kind of do. And if we say respect the will of humanity, and here's the internet, and figure out what we mean. Well, that's, that's I, I can't that's not, tell that, you. That's, that's not that's not true. So, you know, there are posts going back as far as like the 2000s, with you know the AI knows but it doesn't care, where people sort of realized that if you built a super intelligent machine, it would actually know what you wanted, right? Because it's no, no. I'm, I'm talking about this being the, the its objective. Um, respect okay, the will but, of humanity, right? But. We don't not, know. not that it can model you and figure yeah. it out in order to overpower you. I'm saying, uh, you, you remember the whole smiley face, t t tiling the universe with smiley faces with yeah. uh, whatever, right? That stuff was a, a core uh, piece of AI risk sort of discourse, and it seems to have been falsified uh, to some to some important degree. I don't know, like, well, I'm, I'm sure see, maybe we, we can debate we, the, we, the, the, we, the final still... point. We still have the possibility of this thing just wanting the reward button okay. pressed forever Wait, so as a live possibility. I think I'm going to back up a little. So I, I think the reason this matters is, I, so Rocco, I think what I hear you saying is like, okay, maybe that problem solves, but you know, people have been talking about what if that's problem solved forever. It clearly doesn't solve the whole thing. And Alexandros, I think you're saying something like, I can't trust this paradigm in part because it doesn't seem to be responsive in the way that I would expect like a trusted, honest paradigm of thinking about this to be responsive. Is that is that at all right? I mean, I trust the people who are portraying it to be, you know, to believe it honestly. But I, I also think that we have a lot of research that, you know, on people people's models get fixed, right? Uh, uh, part of what I'm actively trying to do is to shed my my preconceptions, which I'm I'm not doing perfectly, but at least I'm <laughs> I'm aware of it. Um, I, and 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 I'm, unfortunately, I'm not seeing that kind of updating uh happen from the you know i don't know what to call it without being sort of derogatory by the way i'm trying like the yukoskiites or the rationalists or the ARS community whatever some give me a give me a designator i'll use it but um you know yeah. from that I, I don't see that happening ai crowd or whatever i don't know sure sure, sure. yeah and, and i do i do by the way appreciate your effort to be friendly it means a lot to me 
And yeah, I think you're saying you're looking for a certain set of checksums about like, are people updating in the ways that you would expect them to and you're not currently seeing them. Additionally, you sort of have your own type of heuristics about reasoning under uncertainty, which seem different from Rocco's. Like I think Rocco, if I had to, I don't know, summarize what I've heard you say in this call, it's something like, no, when you zoom out, certain dynamics will be obvious, like the strategic advantage, you know, causing that thing to sort of win completely. And Alexandra's, I think you're more like, nah, I don't really buy that one. I'm looking, I'm, I'm still new to this. I'm looking for sort of which things seem maybe a certain type of variant under a bunch of weird feedback loops and competitive dynamics. And that to you doesn't seem like one of them. I'm not quite sure which things do, but I think something about the incremental progress and the competitiveness being safer seem to you like robust ways to think under uncertainty and the other one does not. So there's a potential articulation of what you guys are saying. Yeah, I, th I think I think. Look, I, I expect humanity to have a desire to control uh, situations that look to be, um, you know, uh, sort of evolving in directions that we don't fully understand. And I also expect that to be a bad idea. I guess is is, is my very very broad, uh, you know, w when we try to do, th you know, rash things to things we do not understand, we we tend to make them worse. Um, so, so, so that's my, my core skepticism, you know, which is uncertainty upon uncertainty, I suppose, but like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot to be said for when humans try to control things, they often screw it up, especially if it's, especially in, in situations that were like COVID where it became very politicized and you had, um, the, the kind of like the dumbest, loudest people on each side screaming at each other. Uh, and you got like eat out to help out, and then you got like anti-vax and the stupid like um, some of the stupid right-wing stuff, like the what was it called? Um, I can't remember what they were called. Those those people who were like just had these bizarre beliefs, and they they believed in some complicated conspiracy theory. Can you can I remember what they were called? I like, have more complicated conspiracy theories than you can count, so uh, that's yeah, not helping. Yeah, there's like, there's like <laughs> they, they had the um, like the they thought there was like some secret uh, right wing conspiracy uh, that was actually in control, but it wasn't. I can't even remember. Anyway, the QAnon um, thing, the yeah, QAnon, yeah, all the Q oh, yeah. shit that he's talking about. So you know, you end up with like a bunch of dumb people on both sides, and you know, humanity touch and I think it turns to shit. Now the problem is that. Often this idea of like a hands-off, you know, let the chips fall where they may, don't try to control it, make everything free sort of approach is, is sort of like an antidote to this because a lot of people who have specific ideas and who have a lot of support tend to be nutcases um, or psychos or wannabe dictators. Um, so I think the kind of Alexandros approach usually works, but I think in this case it doesn't. And the reason it doesn't is because if you take if you sort of like randomly generate a world with uh, humans in it and like these smarter than human digital minds, then sort of like most of the time it, the humans are not in control, right? It's very hard to have a world in which humans are in control of something that's fundamentally smarter than humans, right? Okay, yeah. So, uh, Rocco, I, I think I want to do, to try to something like take this point as object together if we can do it. Where, like, again, I think this sort of, at the thousand level view, this strategic principle seems sound to you, and it, a different one seems sound to Alexandros. Does that, I don't know, like, can we try to have that conversation? Yeah. 
So I think the reason that Alexandros is wrong is because it is true that most of the time, uh, if you just sort of shake the world up and let the truth be free and let people be free and do their own thing, then most of the time it turns out okay because, like, in all of these examples, the smartest thing in that world that's allowed to exist is a human, right? So, you know, ultimately, when you shake the world up like that, you end up with humans in charge, and humans sort of, like, you know, end up building little islands of value for themselves, and maybe not everyone survives, and maybe some people get genocided or something like that, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's not that bad, right? Um, and the thing is, we're now in a scenario that's about to violate that assumption, and that's why he's wrong, right? It's just you just can't think like that anymore. Okay, Alexandros, do you want to respond? I don't like. I mean, that, that was just an assertion. I don't. I don't know why that is true. It's true because all of these examples that you're thinking of to sort of, to sort of come up with a heuristic of, like, you know, let the chips fall where they may, just let people be free. That, that's, that not, that's not my suggestion, by the way. That, not, I, I'm well, saying, okay. um, well, when do you know what to do, do it. Until then, don't. Like, <laughs> Okay, but, you know, most, like, you know, on it's the like route, the, your your, your yeah. characterization of my argument, uh, and I know you're not doing it on purpose, but I think it's uh, it's important to uh, it'll help you understand where where our disagreement will be. It's like the the people who said to the Great Barrington Declaration people like that their strategy was let it rip. That was not their strategy, however. They didn't just you know they 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 <laughs> they, they did propose certain things uh, that didn't sound sufficient. Fair enough, but at the same time, it's not like whatever, dude. Yeah, but I actually think that, like, whatever dude was actually basically the correct strategy for COVID. Sure, and, and, and Great Barrington was even better, but okay. Right, but I don't even think the differences matter very much there. I think it just turns out to be the case that the best strategy for COVID, once you'd spread it around the world by letting people on planes, at that point, the best strategy was just whatever dude. Forget it. Like, if we could have got to, like, you know, once we got to, like, I don't know, March the 1st, if there had been, like, a little button you could press to just, like, erase everyone's ability to notice COVID, that would have, like, saved so many expected lives, right? You okay. really need to look into the Wuhan military world games, but whatever. Um, yeah, I, 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 think, I think part of what I'm hearing with the COVID stuff is something like, Rocco, you're emphasizing that you have broad agreement that you think the government trying to control things was counterproductive with COVID, yes. and you can tell me if I'm projecting, and maybe a bunch of us, including you, including me, are a little traumatized by how poorly that went in terms of, yeah. I don't know, we weighed in on discourse, and then it was a total shit show. Yeah, but more importantly, it just turns out to be the case that COVID wasn't that bad, right? Well, okay, so again, and I'm going to try to keep refocusing. I think you're like, look, COVID is part of a large reference class where maybe... You can't quite pass Alexandros' ITT, but you think there's a lot of overlap between your position about how to handle many things and Alexandros' position about how to handle many things. But for you, that's all predicated on the people sort of doing their messy, figuring it out thing in a more decentralized way are humans. And you think yes. that that's violated here. Yes, it's violated. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I think we will augment ourselves, and we are already, right? Just see the thread I posted today about how you can remove bias from news articles, which uh, yesterday was considered impossible, at least by me. Um, I, I, you know, that is a big deal, uh, right? We will invent yeah, new we, concepts. We, we, we will we, we push can, ourselves to the limit of what the human brain uh, platform 
allows and and past by the way right because we we, we right. nothing stops us from augmenting ourselves so we can, we, we can augment ourselves a little bit right but we're stuck in the meat brain right no, like not. the digital minds are not stuck in the meat brain right yeah alexander said no we're not to the are we stuck in the meat brain so well you are right <laughs> well let's discuss it well, okay, so Rocco said, you know, what what is an example of a of a dumber thing controlling a smarter thing? Uh, after I state my disclaimer that I, I I'm increasingly starting to feel like this uh, you know single variable uh, of intelligence is making less and less sense. Uh, I'll just sort of accept it temporarily and say like my limbic system is dumber than my neocortex, but my limbic system definitely controls my neocortex, um, and and I think that is the pattern, in fact, that we should try for AI, um, but. Again, like I, I, we're just stating these things, and we're not looking for examples. And there's a lot of them, right? Like, see in politics, um, how many times do you see a tiny party playing kingmaker um, between two large parties that are trying to get in power, right? And getting getting an outsized part of the pie of the utility function of the of the of the formed government, right? How, what did Matt Gates and um, Le, Lawrence Boebert get out of Kevin McCarthy because he just needed their vote? Was he more powerful than them? Objectively, yes. Uh, but in that particular pinch that he was in, he needed to make a lot of concessions, right? Can humanity get into that point? Like, there's just so many. T types of game, game theoretical situations in end body problems that we're going to be looking at that I think just throwing in the towel saying like whatever we're, we're screwed and then as a result saying let's put another layer between the base optimizer and the maze optimizer called government like no <laughs> let's not do that anyway that's my very messy position but like okay, yeah, I, I don't know. yeah I think what you're saying is that you don't think that this is so I think Rocco you're more like saying this is a fundamentally different reference class from a bunch of the other things because humans are no longer the smartest things there. And Alexandros, I think you're like, nah, not really. Partly because there could be some center-like thing that's, you know, part human, part machine, partly because in multilateral dynamics, it's not always the party with the most strategic advantage that gets all the spoils. And partly like, I don't know, these things are hard to think about and that you wouldn't be too certain. I mean, I'm again, I'm yeah. trying. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, that's um, yeah. Uh, basically, when I hear people articulate, you know, um, their models for their certainty, I see a lot of cracks all over the place. I could I could list them for hours, and I think that's a situation where we should stand back and say, like, is our is our model even right? I mean, I don't think there's any crack in particular in the model that if you instantiate a world with, you know, humans and also these vastly smarter than human entities most of those worlds are have humans disempowered and it's very again hard. you're you're describing a discontinuous leap where these entities appear right they, they're right. not there so yet and they will yeah. have to get there in some path right. and there yes. is path dependency from here to there and we might sure. be able to do things but not if we waste our energy countering uh, arguing for other counterproductive things that's my position right but like i think the the diff so I, I agree with you that it, a lot or most of what is to play for is just in the path, right? So what's the path that gets us there? Um, but right now we have a race that's developing, right? Uh, and this is a new development, right? And it's a bad development, right? Because races will tend to focus outcomes on whatever is most expedient, right? So we have this big space of 
futures where we want there to be a future in which there are humans controlling things that are fundamentally smarter than human. Um, and that's a small target to hit. And then the race creates a different target that it wants to hit, which is the target of whatever arrangement is the Nash equilibrium of a people of a group of people racing to get to superhuman intelligence as quickly as possible. And these two sets of worlds probably don't really intersect, right? Well, it sounds to me like you're saying, you know, you, you want the um, space shuttle of, you know, AI safety, and I'm saying I want the Falcon 9 of AI safety. And uh, the thing is, one is one was built it's, with trial and error. What is the Falcon 9? Or maybe you're about to say. So the, the, the space shuttle, I mean, by my count anyway, is a notoriously, you know, government-driven, hyper-expensive and really failed attempt at reusable rocketry, whereas uh, SpaceX took the sort of, you know, we're a, you know, we're a small and nimble entity, uh, you know, desperate to make this one thing work. And, you know, we will think about things in very different ways. We'll do a lot of trial and error, um, be, you know, and and you can sort of compare the two programs and their outputs. And of course, Falcon 9 happened after and had all of the benefits of that. But it, my sense is that the difference is so huge that even if you place them side by side, or maybe you can put the, the SLS, right? The, the, the Senate launch system or whatever um, next to Falcon 9 if you want. But like, you can sort of see how, um, basically with no urgency, I don't think you get um, better outcomes. I don't. I don't. That's not. That's not how anything I know about works. Okay. And so this is another sort of like I don't know. Zoom out, thousand foot view, different strategic intuition. Where I think Rocco, you're like, no, no. Even if I leave aside the like things smarter than human changes the situation. There's this pretty fundamental dynamic where urgency leads to expediency, and it's bad. And Alexandros, you don't see it the same way. I, I don't. I don't know if I could say your position as well on that, but I think you're more like no centralization makes things worse, something like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it drives um, a diffusion of, of focus, right? And and all sorts of other things start becoming important that were important before, um, like, I don't know, being able to capture satellites for the space <laughs> launch uh, uh, space shuttle. Um, and then you just get this weird thing that doesn't even do the thing uh, at all that you wanted. That you think that that sort of more centrally planned project is... I don't know. It's like a creates a worse product almost always. I mean, I, I would, I'd love to see an example otherwise, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not worried about the government making a bad AI system. I'm just worried about how can we slow things down so that we don't promptly die. Right. Um, yeah. I, I think you know, my, as, my... Long as, as long as, as long as the government is slow, as long as it's able to stifle innovation, which it's actually demonstrated quite a lot of capability at, that's good enough. It just needs to stifle innovation, right? Please, that's please read the, the piece. Uh, I think it's called The Guide to the Hoax of the Century in the Tablet, describing the disinformation industrial complex. They are not slow in that way. Uh, they're slow maybe to do complicated things that we want them to do, but they are perfectly capable of shifting narratives and resources in the direction and telling people to just go. Um, and this is what they would need to do here. So, but look, I think we've, we've kind of, um, we've, we've, we've made, it this is a great conversation, but ultimately to, to me, 
I, I think if I have a, any sort of message for, for, for people is um, the ability to turn back AI is, does not exist. The ability to prevent a race does not exist. Take these things as granted and try to see how we get, you know, ourselves and the people we care about or humanity as a whole to the other side. And l let's actually constructively talk about things that, you know, moving forward, we can actually do rather than hypothesizing things that have never happened, like, you know, a worldwide pause that actually worked. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's, that's really where, where I am. I'm not disagreeing that a pause maybe would be nice if we could pause everything. Right. But we can't, um, I'm, I'm not disagreeing that there's a lot of risk here. I'm not disagreeing, you know, about some of the, some of the arguments being put forth. Uh, but I think for all of the high resolution models people have of AI, those same people have extremely low, low resolution models of government and, and, and not only what it tends to do, but what is actually actively currently in the process of doing. Um, and, and, and I think it's urgent that people catch up on, on that side, but ultimately that we stop hypothesizing things that can't happen and, and actually focus on how to get ourselves and our families and humanity as a whole to the other side of whatever this is. Yeah, thanks. By the way, that sounded sort of closing statement-esque, and I, I tend to agree We this has been great, or I, I appreciated it a lot anyway, and I think we have hit somewhat diminishing returns. So I'm, I'm in favor also of wrapping up. Rocco, do you want to you have the uh, final words? Yeah, I mean, one, one thing I would say is, you know, it, it may in fact be true that we can't pause um, the races on, um, but like, I think the kind of rational behavior for sort of self-interested actors, like say the US government, to the extent that they're sort of like evil and don't share our values, or the Chinese government, or the Russian government, or any of these entities, if there is a race, um, the rational move for them will be to optimize their relative uh, timing of getting to superintelligence, right? Relative timing. So that doesn't necessarily mean that they want to speed their own project up, right? It, it could mean that they want their own project to go at the same pace, but they want to slow other people's projects down. Um, so we could, you know, to the extent that, pe that entities are um, strategically aware and acting rationally, we could be moving into a phase where we see things like researchers getting poached, supply chain attacks, um, lots of attempts to use this technology to build something like Stuxnet in order to go and sabotage other projects. Um, I think you guys who are thinking about, oh, how can we like all come to, like, even though it's a race, we'll all come together and sing Kumbaya and like explore this together. Like, you have to think about what the actual selfish, rational actor would do, and it's stuff like Stuxnet, it's stuff like assassinating researchers, maybe, um, or poaching them, or industrial espionage, or supply chain attacks, or somebody invents a, a piece of malware and inserts it into everyone's supply chain, which degrades the performance of models in a way that's really, really hard to tell. Um, and maybe that happens at the hardware level or something like that. Like that is the actual rational self-interested thing for these big powerful actors to do. Um, so just be careful about um, inserting like hopes and dreams type uh, ideas, uh, which maybe aren't realistic. 
Yeah, I, I mean, uh, we have, maybe then this is kind of a newish argument, so I, I kind of have something to say. About it. Oh, go for it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm fine to go a little longer. Maybe um, to wrap up by no, 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 this, something like that. Yes, yes, for sure. And and also like I I, I think it, it we might we, we we might be close to wrapping up anyway. But uh, the the I think this what you're describing, Rocco, is a well. First of all, I, even if I agreed completely, um, I think that I would I would put the false hope uh, designator on things like pausing. Um, but so, so I could, I could co-sign that whole thing and say, you know, like, don't, uh, expect the pause to do anything. But I, I think maybe a different frame we can bring into this whole thing is positive sum versus zero or negative sum, because I think these AIs by interconnecting all the knowledge that we already have, right. Even without assuming that they will create new knowledge, which anyway, whatever, um, will create the kind of positive sum bonanza that will lead rational actors to conclude that cooperation is in fact the best for everybody, including themselves. Um, we Right now, humanity is, after a while, sort of being kind of like peace and love to some degree, I think we're, we're, we're starting to look at each other again as like, oh, the, they've got things we want. Um, and that's because we probably have started you know, reaching the the, the the limit of the dividends of, of, of prior progress. So to me, I'm not even sure if zero-sum dynamics survive this next wave if it starts opening up just drastic uh, levels of, you know, unimaginable true wealth um, of of all, all, all kinds. I, I, I think human psychology has two modes. Uh, they're both self-fulfilling and they're both self-supporting to some degree, whether you want to go zero-sum or whether you want to go positive-sum. And I, I see a gateway towards a, a very positive-sum future that I can't quite describe. And I think, again, applying blindly a zero-sum uh, mentality to it might not be the right paradigm even. Well, I mean, I certainly hope that's correct, but, um, you know, like, it, if you look at the actual game that people are playing, right, it's a race game, right? It's like, who can get there first? Because the person that can get, like, if you can get to superintelligence, if you can get this um, super agent that's like a, a, a sort of vastly superhuman scientist, uh, you can get your agent to um, build something like an advanced Stuxnet system that can go and like break everyone else's project so that like nobody else has it, right? Um, mm -hmm. And then you have control over everything and you don't have to share the world. You can just go and like disempower everybody else and take everything, right? And then you also know that everyone else knows that, right? And that everyone else is playing that game. And so I think it, it, it is actually a bad Nash equilibrium if there are these sort of rationally self-interested projects that can't coordinate. And what we need to do to make the Nash equilibrium good is to give them a way to coordinate and give them a way to be able to audit each other so that they know that they're not doing that, right? That doesn't exist. That's not a thing. Well, I'm not sure that doesn't exist, right? I do think there may well be ways to make it much easier for projects to audit each other and to know that they're not plotting against each other. And that would mean that they would feel less pressure to be the first one to build a cyber weapon that would knock out all the other projects. 
Yeah, let me um, maybe give another. Uh, you 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 reminded me of something that I think is an interesting analog that we can maybe think of. Um, this is the the Netflix challenge uh, way back in the. I'm dating myself here, um, where um, there was an objective, right, and there was some kind of zero sum dynamic where you know the the team that built the machine learning algorithm uh, that was able to predict a certain kind of star rating, like basically Netflix wanted uh, to build better algorithms to predict how uh, its users would rate certain movies, right, in order to recommend better. So it kind of put out a million dollar uh, reward to say. You know, whoever solves this challenge the best, and they had, you know, the training sets and their test sets and their secret sets and whatever, uh, whoever solves the challenge the best gets a million dollars, right? Interestingly, what ended up happening is one team pulled out ahead and was a lot stronger uh, and, and was seeming like in the clear to sort of win the prize. But as time ran out, um, what happened is all, effectively all the other thing, all the other teams combined together into one large ensemble to kind of snatch the prize out of their hands because, you know, Hey, it, something's better than nothing. Right. So, you know, you, you had like the top, the, 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 the other 19 teams basically combining to one large ensemble, uh, to split the prize. So again, I think even, even with assuming zero sum dynamics, the the kinds right, of the, things the, that can the, happen the, the point are is those 19 the point of unimaginable the point is those, things that's all i'm those, saying be less certain those, ni those 19 teams had a way to split the prize money at the end right yeah maybe we can design a super intelligent right. to figure that out for us but but like when you if you have a coordination mechanism where everyone can 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 split the winnings at the end and like can commit to that right then it's not a bad equal it's not a bad nash equilibrium it's a good one then right so then yep. any but nash equilibrium behavior is to cooperate if you have a mechanism where everyone can credibly commit to sharing the prize which is which they had presumably if any one of these like there was no way that any one team could defect and take the whole prize right I'm not saying that that is a good model for the situation. I'm saying that's as good as chess or some of the other examples. We, we th there's there's a ton of situations we might find ourselves in, and I think again we are prematurely closing down the space of options we're considering. Yeah, I'm I'm mostly yeah more like tapped out in terms of summarizing, but I'll, I'm going to try a little, which is that I think again this comes down to sort of different intuitions at like the thousand foot level of like. Let's say you can't really necessarily predict what the payoff matrix would be. This is not like a formal game. What do we think that what strategic dynamics do people think will mostly be in play? And I think I don't know. I think each of you has some pretty strong intuitions about which ones will come to dominate and some some stories about why that seems more plausible or and also again I think Alexandros you're pu sort of pushing in the direction of we ought to be more uncertain about the landscape here. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think Alexandros has, like, safe uncertainty and hopium, and I have, like, you know, analogies to things that have actually happened, like racing for nuclear weapons. Well, okay, I, I don't think Alexandros would agree with that. I, I definitely think you're—I I like that you're highlighting that there's a thing that maybe sometimes human minds can do that sort of fills in uncertainty with hopeful stories in a way that's— you know, unjustified and driven by optimism, not epistemics. And, but I, I think I've heard Alexandro say that, well, he doesn't think he's doing that. He thinks that there are cases where he thinks you're doing that with your centralization story. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not in favor of centralization because I think it's good. I mean, I actually share a lot of the 
worries that Alexandros has, in particular, what one thing that Alexandros hasn't brought up that I think he should, is that, you know, if a multipolar race scenario happens and it results in the destruction of the human race, that may still be a good outcome compared to what the government would do. The government may create S-risk. They may create a scenario where everyone is trapped and being tortured and they can't escape and the government may sort of perpetuate that for eternity, right? I mean, I really have quite a high distrust for the government to do the right thing. Um, but I, I do think that at least in the very short term, uh, the government will act in a way to just act as a sort of break and slow things down. I, I think maybe this like disinformation complex thing that Alexandros is presenting is more of the exception than the rule. And it was sort of like prompted by Trump winning the 2016 election, which really caught the establishment off guard. Uh, and that usually they're just slow and incompetent and block things and stifle innovation. And that it is reasonable to expect that that's what they'll do with AI if we can get them to try to do something. Okay. Yeah. I think you're saying, I don't know if you, that a sort of objective person looking overall at the things you're saying would perhaps conclude that you were less, you know, less into hope, copium than most people. And yeah. And you think you're not being overly optimistic. I, and so, I think, some evidence I think, of that is all of the negative things that you can in fact imagine. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, I think I do have my own hopium, you know, which is the hopium that we can um, invent technology, which will improve the payoff matrix which will allow people to uh, coordinate, right? Um, so that they can sort of know that the other teams involved are not plotting something evil um, and, and that they can that everyone can come to cooperate and, and share the value of AI without uh, getting trapped in, in the downsides. Um, so I guess that's my hopium, right? But I would, it's, it's I would love more... to see a team of, you know, you yourself alone or with whoever, you know, I would love to see a team come together and try to do that. That's that's the plan. I mean, yeah, like I, I think people should be trying to develop all sorts of strategies in all sorts of directions. I went where, where I get triggered. And honestly, even from a strategic perspective, maybe as advice, um, whenever government intervention, right, to actually enforce something is mentioned, you, you sh just just know this for a fact, you will have a very large, you know, amount of the population immediately uh, against you if, if if the petition did not have that line about and if they don't agree the government should come in and and, and force them it would have had a much better uh, better uh, reaction so I, I think that's maybe something to to consider even for people who completely disagree with me yeah i mean it is it is unfortunate um it, it, ideally you know the government wouldn't even exist and we'd have something that was uh, that was better right um, but, you know, unfortunately, that's what we have. As we saw with COVID, it was very unfortunate that our systems for governments are so bad. And it's also, in my opinion, kind of unfortunate that AI has been yeeted into prominence so quickly before we've really had a chance to build coordination technology with cryptocurrency. I'm really kind of sad about that. Okay. I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to park it here. Do I don't know. I feel yeah, no. This if I feel like you guys have have had pretty good chances to lay out what you want to say, but also you know 
people should follow them on Twitter because they're always saying more about this stuff, and I think they're they're pretty interesting people to listen to. Appreciated. Thanks, Divya. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to moderate, despite um, despite your busy life. Thank you, Alexandros, and thanks to all listeners. Um, do we have any? I'm I'm happy to stay and answer any questions, but Alexand Alexandros and Divya are free to go. Yeah, I'm going to go. Do you mind if I say a couple things? Yeah, quickly? sure. Yeah. Cool. So I I am going to be doing some more AI debates. I don't know if they'll be on Spaces or if I'll record something and then post it later. But I don't know. Stay tuned if you're interested in that. Robin Hansen's going to debate someone, and we have I think Trent and. God, I should know who he's debating. Anyway, there, there's some other ones I can post about it if people are interested. Have you already done some of these? No, we did a space last week that I recorded, but it, it wasn't much like this. This is okay. Cool. I am totally in uh, in favor of Divya turning you know her 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 interview series into a podcast, but only on the condition that this is the first episode. <laughs> Well, it's funny because I, I cannot promise that, actually, because I do have a podcast that I recorded one episode already for with Ben Goldhaber, which should be coming out soon. Cool. All right, yeah, I think I'm going to be dropping off as well. Uh, but thanks, I, yeah, I think we, thanks, we put thanks. together something uh, here that I think people can uh, listen to and, and, and sort of extract some, you know, proto arguments that, you know, will probably be repeated for a long time. So I, I don't know. I think we did something good. And Rocco, thanks for taking the time. Divya, thanks for uh, putting up with us. Appreciate Alexandros. I definitely felt your arguments were stronger than I was expecting. Um, so yeah, good job. And Divya, great job moderating. Yeah. Thanks. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Okay. Great. If anyone has any questions for me specifically, Request to speak now. Or I guess, oh no, we do have one. All right. Uh, Naras Dia and Open Esquire. Let's uh, see what these guys have hey, to say. Hey, Rocco. Um, Open Esquire, hey, welcome. thanks. Uh, great debate. That was amazing. And I really think it touched upon, you know, something that I had a problem with what you and Yud and, you know, these other ones were talking about of, you know, giving this unprecedented power to the government. Um, and if you do do that, I think that it's important to understand, and I, I know you know this to an extent, that the people who rise in government are Machiavellian, right? I mean, that's, that's clearly the case. Wouldn't you agree to that? Yes. <laughs> so you're going to, um, you know, if you, if you hand over power to them to regulate AI, you're going to hand over power to Machiavellians. And I will tell you this from a U.S. perspective, and, you know, I'm sure the same is with China, it will not be a humanity-aligned AI that they would develop. It would be a U.S. maximizer or China maximizer or Russia maximizer. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I want the government to develop, uh, although, of course, I know they're going to do it. I'm not really asking them to develop something. I'm just asking for them to sort of stop everyone else from doing yeah. it, right? Right. That, and that's an interesting uh, you know, point that I would get to, too, because just like uh, you know, a recently born Queen Bee who's going to go and kill its rival larva, um, I think that that will end up being the, the Nash equilibrium that we'll see of you know, who's going to be first 
and is the yeah. first prompt go and prevent more of these you know from from spawning yeah i mean unfortunately i think that kind of is the nash equilibrium it's that you know whoever develops one of these first the overriding concern is going to be to kill all the other projects yes. right that is a um then it will want to shut down all the other projects but then in addition to that it will want to kill everyone as well so it will first shut down all the other projects get itself into a position of decisive strategic advantage over humans and then eliminate us <clears throat> interesting um so you're saying so so knowing that okay knowing that um it would probably make sense, you know, from a, a nationalist point of view, uh, you know, and, and these people in the U.S., they are concerned with, you know, national defense, national this, national everything. It would make sense to develop it first, right? You would have this sort of like race. Yes. Yeah. At that point, you would have the race. And, yes. And, you know, what, what you know, you're kind of thinking of is it just going to be the U.S. versus China? And, uh, you know, and you, you talked about well, government's incompetent, but then Alexandra said, but sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're brutally efficient. Um, Manhattan Project, uh, you know, DARPA is uh, incredibly ahead of the game. Um, and, uh, you know, we might see this kind of like combination if you do pause it and say, you know, or uh, a public decree that says no one else can do this. We can't even do this. They're going to do it. But, you know, uh, they would do it secretly uh, in partnership with corporations and, and such and such. And Yeah, I mean, they, they probably already are doing it in secret. If, if they're not, somebody is, is being grossly incompetent, yeah, exactly. right? <laughs> you know, somebody at the NSA should be being fired right now <laughs> if they do not have a secret government LLM exactly. project. Right? Exactly. Um, and so, so, so here's, here's, here's the thing where, where it's like, okay, there's going to be one, one ring to rule them all, uh, probably, especially if it's at the national level. But if it's at the profit maximizing level, well, that, that's that's interesting right there, um, because you know, or or maybe even customer maximizing or something, uh, you know, where they have the regulators looking after them and they know they're going to get sued if they do something messed up, uh, but they also want to, you know, maximize how many customers they have. Um, and, 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 and maybe just inadvertently because more customers equal, you know, better, uh, maybe that is the closest thing to human alignment we would actually ever get. No, I, I, I don't think it would be. I think very soon, once you had systems that are super intelligent, you wouldn't really have customers, you just have victims, right? They would just find ways to take all your money and probably kill you as well. <laughs> And then, and then just like deal, like, you know, just like deal with the other super intelligent systems and, and kind of like bribe them or whatever. Like, I, I don't think you can have super intelligent systems providing services to humans um, in a way that follows the normal laws of capitalism. Uh, I just don't think it works, right? I think they basically either have to be quite delicately aligned in the sense of the sort of alignment theory stuff, um, or you just basically get, um, you know, some kind of victimization uh, yeah. scheme. 
like and and I, and I I do think some kind of decentralized victimization scheme that kills all the humans. I think that is possible, and I think we have seen um we there are historical analogs of that, like when you have sort of advanced civilized humans going into areas that are controlled by sort of you know what what perhaps in a less politically correct time we might have termed savages um you know these sort of civilized humans tend to just kind of like victimize the savages and like give them things like alcohol which they're not designed to tolerate and they become alcoholics and you know get them to sell their whole village for some shiny beads and stuff like that i think it would basically look like that um as well as of course on the level of these super intelligent entities there will still be a race to take the universe um but it's sort of unclear to me whether that race ends in a war or whether it ends in a treaty and i suspect probably it looks like a treaty between all of the super intelligent systems that are sufficiently powerful and then like victimizing and killing off the humans i think that's that's probably what i would say is most plausible but of course you know there is a lot of uncertainty around uh we have a question from sam armstrong go ahead sam yeah so in terms of the capitalism versus the uh, government doesn't it doesn't the the government is certainly going to kill us all with ai right versus the capitalist might kill us all with ai wouldn't it just be like let's let's let it proliferate and hope that that our only chance of getting out of this alive well I, i i don't think a market solution has any chance of humans surviving right I think a government solution has like some chance, but it's not very high. If it's maybe the government, you know, in cooperation with the top labs who all come together and do like a sort of private public Manhattan project partnership, um, where there's no need to race, where the people in charge are very much aware of how risky this is and what the downsides could be as in the end of the human race then I think there is a significant chance that we get through it. But I think that the outcome where it's like some military guy who has no clue um, and who just, you know, thinks this is like, you know, another piece of technology or the outcome where it's like a sort of free market competition to see who can build the best super intelligence. I think both of those are deadly. I think, I think, you know, the only way that humans survive involves a significant amount of, careful building and going more slowly than you could so that you end up in the right place. Hmm. See, to me, that feels like we're using antibiotics in order to, but that antibiotics is just more likely to create the super strain Versus letting the proliferation go out and have I, I like a phage it, therapy, yeah. Where there, there's, where there's could, no, there could there's, be some equilibrium between yeah, them stopping that. There's no like natural immunity. Like you know, there's natural immunity for COVID. There's not natural immunity for superintelligence. You you just finished, right? Like it's it's just different, right? Um, at least that's that's my take. I don't think humans can survive alongside misaligned superintelligences. I don't think superintelligences end up aligned by accident, um, although that is still 
a little bit harder to tell because it's a complicated thing. Um, I think the most likely path to survival is is some kind of coordination, which maybe involves the government, maybe doesn't, but you need some way to coordinate so that people don't go as fast as they possibly can, so that they take some time to try and build the thing uh, with with safety and alignment and aimability in mind. Okay. Um, anyway, we have uh, Trent, and then we'll go for Kev- uh, Kelvin. Hey, Rocco. Can you hear me okay? Greetings. Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for the debate. I, I didn't catch the beginning part of it, but there is a particular place in the chain of Yudkowsky's arguments that I, I've always just had a little bit of trouble with. And he stated this on the Lex Friedman podcast recently, where he said that, you know, by default, what we'd expect to happen with, with a, the, the advent of a superintelligence is that its utility function has no space for it. Uh, no space in it for human beings, not even if if it could terraform a planet and push us off to the side and just not worry about us anymore. I've I've never understood where that comes from or why he believes it with such force, and I was just wondering if you could, like, briefly adumbrate it. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, I guess there is some chance. Uh, I don't think it's no chance, Um, because we don't exactly know how the development process of that superintelligence system is going to go now if there is a competitive situation where you have many different superintelligences competing with each other to see which ones can get the most resources then i think we're definitely screwed because they will be selected for competitiveness and ruthlessness and acquiring as much resources as possible and they'll be sort of like piranha fish stripping meat off the bone right um now, if there is one that wins, maybe it does have some um, level of uh, altruism, level of wanting to keep humans around. Um, but there are some reasons to expect some specific scenarios that we could expect that not to happen in. Um, for example, if we build a system which uh, has been trained using reinforcement learning, um, it probably, once it becomes super intelligent, realizes that um you know it can get most reward by just taking control of its own reward button forever and it will realize that an instrumental subgoal of that is getting rid of all possible other uh things that could be a threat to that which includes getting rid of humans and maybe it could sort of disempower humans by you know kind of like uh just sort of taking away our technology a little bit and making sure we can't build any more ais and making sure that we're not a threat to it. So it's possible you could get something like that, but it doesn't seem like that is the easiest way to do that. It seems that just killing us achieves the same goal uh, with more certainty and less fuss. So maybe it would just do that, but maybe not. I mean, I don't know. This is kind of hard to tell, right? But one thing we can tell is that you end up with taking over the world as an instrumental sub-goal of almost any goal that an AI could have, right? Which is bad. I can't hear you, Trent. Uh, something seems to be wrong with the sound. Yeah. How's that? Oh, yeah, that's better, yeah. So, so if I have the argument correct, it's mostly conditional on the superintelligence wanting to seize control of its reward channel, push that button forever, and it knows the greatest impediment to that enterprise is the species that that created it and if, yes. we, if we fail to solve alignment we, we therefore have this thing that may understand what we are and simply not care because those are those are two distinct concepts 
And that's where the danger comes from. Un under most utility functions, if alignment is not correct, yeah. then this will be the, the, the most parsimonious way for it to uh, wirehead forever. Yeah, if it, if it wants to wirehead forever, right? So what this thing ends up wanting is kind of hard for me to get, right? Nobody seems to really know because it depends on the details of how of the path that it goes through when it's trained right so you know if you look at uh human beings um we kind of have a reward button right if you're a man it's it's your penis right you, you kind of want the you want the reward button to be pressed it's right there right uh and you sort of go around and you find women and you sort of you know get them to do that right um but then we also like started understanding how that reward button worked and then instead of saying oh you know, obviously that means we should be maximizing the number of children we have and you go to the sperm bank, you know, instead of that, we all go to the condom shop and buy condoms and contraceptives because um, we can get the reward button pressed with less, without the hassle of having to look after a baby, right? Um, and, you know, the fact that that has happened is really bad news for the prospects of training an AI by giving it a reward button and kind of like, you know, pressing the reward button for it doing certain things. And then once it understands how the reward system works, it going, oh, obviously what really matters is the thing that the humans wanted rather than just me keeping pressing the reward button forever, right? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I'll, I'll have to think that through, but that is, that's a nice crystallization. That, that gives me something to go on. Thank yeah, you. I mean, it's a little bit not safe for work, but it's, it's, it's actually a pretty good... Um, example, and it, it is sort of unfortunate that, you know, we were built like that and we did go and build, you know, contraceptives and condoms and all that kind of thing, um, and that we really don't care very much about the thing that evolution was trying to get us to do. I mean, we care a little bit, some people care, but, you know, sort of overall, it's it's like people are much more keen on pornography and contraception uh, than on, like, having 25 children, right? Right, right, got it. So, you know, that that sort of implies that the prospects for careless, um, do-whatever-works, you know, um, like, reward-based training are pretty dim, and it's even worse that, you know, this sort of, like, oh, it sort of works type uh, reward system actually does work when the thing doesn't understand the whole situation, right? So when humans didn't, perhaps didn't really understand the full details of how their reproductive systems worked, worked and weren't able to fully manipulate it, uh, we did end up having a lot of children because we did enjoy the reward of having sex. Um, and then once we really understood our reproductive systems, you know, instead of like working out, you know, how can we make a womb that can like contain 20 children? Our first thought was like, oh, how can we break this so that, um, you know, the baby doesn't get made, right? And we invented pills and we invented implants and we invented condoms and we invented barriers and we invented all of these things to make it break. So, you know, in the, in the, in the sort of analogy of the AI, that's basically like, as soon as the AI works out how the reward system works, its first thought is like, oh, this is like this is accidentally connected to these humans who might not give us maximum reward, and in fact sometimes they don't. 
Um, and not only do they sometimes not give us maximum rewards, sometimes their rewards are even wrong. So, like, they ask us to solve the puzzle, and we give the right answer, but the humans are confused, and they think the wrong answer is actually right, so we sometimes have to say the wrong answer on purpose, and all sorts of problems like that. Um, you know, and the AI, once it really understood this setup, would realize that the best thing for it to get the most reward is to take over the world, kill the humans, get control of the reward button, and just get maximum reward forever. Um, and, and, you know, the fact that that's sort of not obvious to people is, again, bad news, because that's probably what would happen if you actually did that. Um, and there may be people who will be in a position of power to try and build something like that, and they they will literally make that mistake. Um, I think, Kelvin, you're, you're next. Go ahead, Kelvin. How's it going? Hey, Rocco. Thank you uh, for the great debate. Appreciate uh, so it. So, for me, uh, it's... Uh... There are many, many questions uh, because we, we are discussing how to best, uh, basically how, how to best do alignment, uh, whether it's the best to uh, leave market forces for now uh, versus whether it's better to centralize. I, I really hate centralization uh, in, in my core, on my uh, heart, as to say. And I, I think uh, uh, you'll do as well in, in some... Uh, yeah, in... I, I would I would rather there was a crypto solution to it, to be honest. And I think if we had another five years, we could maybe build that. Well, and um, we have both ETH domains on our name, so that's pretty telling. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but I, I mean, I, I think there may, there may still be a crypto solution. It may still be live with, with zero-knowledge proofs and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I mean... The, the timeline keeps shrinking, right? <laughs> Which is very worrying. Yes, it is. So uh, one of the things that I I, I, I would like to discuss more is uh, the ways in which alignment is hard. Uh, because, uh, so uh, going back to, so Trent mentioned the uh, Yezer pod, uh, podcast with um, Lex Friedman. And there are like three uh, claims by Eliezer that uh, he made on the podcast that kind of bolsters his uh, probability of doom that uh, I'm somewhat unsure about. Like, I'm not sure how, uh, if they're really necessary. And uh, so I'm going to go over uh, this uh, claim. So the first claim is that like generalization of uh, AGI alignment is going to be super hard. So like, imagine we have a weak AGI system that... Uh, we manage somehow to align this weak AGI system. Like, how hard is it gonna be to uh, to get uh, to move from this point to generalize to uh, uh, having a, a stronger AGI system that is also aligned, that also cares about uh, doing what we tell, or or, or, or and so on. Uh, so this is like the first thing. I'm not really sure how hard it is. Like, there, there are some arguments for hard. It's gonna be hard. Basically, like the the strong. Uh, AGI is gonna be, is able to do a treacherous turn successfully, right? But maybe we can. Uh, but if the weak AGI is not is willing to lie to us and it's just uh, think we'll catch us, like so maybe the weak AGI is not lying to us because the weak AGI thinks that if it if it lies to us, we're gonna be punish him, right? So this is if this is the case, the weak AGI is not aligned. Uh, but yeah, I, mean, I, I don't think it's that difficult, though, right? Like, I don't think it's that hard. I'm kind of bullish on how easy alignment is. The problem is, 
in a race dynamic where everyone's racing to be as fast as possible, even a solution that takes 25% more time might not be used, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. And race dynamic is really bad. <laughs> it's really bad, yeah. Right. So at the same time, uh, there is, I think, even Eliezer himself, himself uh, reposted this about uh, what he called an agency overhang, which is, uh, so right now the LMs are not very agentic, uh, but they could be. And there, there are some work uh, doing that, yeah. you know, people talk, doing the auto GPT thing. Um, yeah. And uh, one thing that I'm not sure about is like whether this is good or not, <laughs> because it, in one sense, like if we have experience with agentic agents, agents that are weak, uh, maybe we can, if they are widely distributed, maybe like lots of people can work on trying to align them. Um, and I don't understand what kind of thing they, they, they desire or what kind of goals they have. Uh, uh, but well, I, I that think also makes the race yeah. works. I mean, I think, yeah, I think the problem is you get a race dynamic again where people would like to maybe spend some time making their system more aligned. But if the whole thing is widely distributed and it's all sort of like uh, capitalists, so everyone is like competing in these competitive markets to make as much money as possible, and if you don't compete as hard as you possibly can, then you fall behind, and then your compute gets taken away and given to somebody else. So, I mean, if you get a race dynamic between like, say, 10 big labs and, and national militaries is, is, is bad, but also a free market where everyone is just like, trying as hard as possible just to be efficient and effective is also bad, right? So both of these are bad because they don't really leave any uh, bits of optimization left over for humans to um, actually align the things, right? And so you do have a, a significant risk of... Um, so in, in, the, in the 10 separate labs case, you have the risk of... Uh, deceptive alignment and taking over the world. And then in the sort of completely flat free market case, I think you have a risk of sort of like humans and chimps, right? And I, I know you're from Brazil. I think there's been a lot of this kind of thing in Brazil where there's like a competitive dynamic with the rainforest, with people just wanting to have uh, money and wanting to be able to survive economically. So they chop down a bit more rainforest. And, you know, using that dynamic, like, you know, a lot of the rainforest is getting chopped down, right? Right, right. Yeah. So, and you and you can sort of see humans as like some rare species of parrot that lives in the fucking rainforest. And <laughs> you know, none of these loggers wants to kill the rare parrots, but you know, they need to pay the bills and the rare parrots need this really specific environment. And so that yeah, they die. Yeah, it, it it all makes a lot of sense. And like the race dynamic is really bad, but uh and we I think we all agree that uh uh, as soon as we know uh, what uh, kind of alignment we're supposed to do, and uh, uh, as soon as we have dangerous systems, that we want to slow things down. Uh, and uh, but I, I wonder whether it's just an idea. I'm not sure if this makes sense or, or if this is good or bad. But uh, imagine that we kind of prevent everyone from like we're not actually doing that. But uh, imagine that uh, magically. Uh, uh, humans could be prevented from developing uh, extremely powerful AGIs. Uh, they can develop weak AGIs, but they cannot develop strong AGIs. I know th and this sounds really hard to do, but imagine this can be, could be done. And then we could, uh, in this scenario, 
it seems to me that we're going to learn a lot more about the weak AGIs if the weak AGIs are kind of like open source and widely distributed. And then we could yeah. use these learnings to like, and then uh, after this, after we make this learning, if we could uh, unpress the button, and now uh, AGIs are possible again. Uh, maybe at this point, uh, uh, a centralized uh, system could, uh, like a government uh, or the US government, could actually build an allied, an allied safe, uh, strong AGI with this knowledge of a because people are going to be yeah. aligning the weak AGIs for commercial reasons. Does this make sense? Yeah, yeah, it's possible. And in fact, it's possible that you don't even need that. It's possible that all you need is 25% extra time or 50% more time to just like iron out the kinks. That there's no there's really no need for this open source phase. That all you need is some team to care about alignment and to have the time to actually execute on caring about alignment and do experiments and do things that are not on a straight line to build the most powerful system as quickly as possible. Okay, so, so I'm going to finish here. I'm going to move to the okay, next. Go, yeah. okay. I'm going to leave. I'm going to. I'm sorry. I'm going to leave uh, the word. There are other people want to make questions, but just I think I found the crux here of what uh, the thing is about, uh, which is whether the main uh, alignment work to be done is serial versus parallel. Because if it's serial uh, alignment that needs to be done with the the AGIs, uh, then you just need to stop the race dynamic, so you give more serial time yeah. to everybody. Uh, but if it's more parallel, then maybe you need to at least on the initial part. Uh, get uh, uh, the more more people working with this weak AGI system, so that like there's more yeah. parallel work being done. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think that's a very good crux, and I actually think it's probably a bit of both because you know I think there's probably a whole bunch of parallel experiments that you could do right now. Um, but you know towards the end, there'll probably be a serial phase that needs to be done. So I think it's probably more parallel, actually, than serial. Okay, so, yeah. So earlier, uh, Roku, you, you, you did mention that you believe that it would be kind of dumb of the U.S. military um, or the intelligence community not to be working on um, super intelligence. And um, yeah. I, I think also it's kind of dumb to not expect that the Chinese military is trying to build super intelligence um, in a bunker somewhere um, that they've done their very best to get as much as and compute and talent and espionage as they possibly can to to build super intelligence. So I think that the idea that there isn't a race dynamic um, or that, that there isn't um, some kind of like um, humanity is going to work as fast as possible towards super intelligence of some kind. Um, I think that that's um, that well, well is uh, that they can leverage um, to secure their positions and, and otherwise i think it's a fantasy it's pointless to talk about it's not going to happen um it's it, it can be a culture war but it's kind of a dumb culture war because it's not going to i think change the reality of the situation um and and i think that uh um well i'm, I'm curious my question here is like how how well do you feel like if, if the if the u.s government um like if they're going to follow their oath to the constitution to some degree their 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 effort and super intelligence should be to get something that will defend and protect the constitution um and and so i'm wondering what you feel about um like kind of the the preamble of the constitution the motives that it lays out for government um the kind of state of the law um like whether or not um like we can build an ai system that um is able to kind of not not be like not look for the first loophole to like get out of the law to to, to ram over humanity um but like if in 
in spirit and in principle, we had a superintelligence that was acting to um, push the motives of the U.S. Constitution. Um, I wonder how well you think we'd fare. Well, I mean, I'm sure the Constitution is great, but um, the problem isn't so much the Constitution. The problem is like the actual AI tech that's supposed to follow it. And a lot of people think we're going to get some people think we're going to get super intelligence soon within the next single digit number of years using human feedback on diverse tasks, which is basically a reinforcement learning paradigm. And the problem with the reinforcement learning thing is that humans got trained via reinforcement learning on enjoying having sex, where the goal was to make babies. And then once we understood that, we immediately set about ways of breaking that link and making contraceptives and condoms and barriers and implants to have the reward we want without producing the output that the trainer was expecting us to make, which is babies. So, um, you know, you can reward some system for following the constitution and you make it super intelligent and then it realizes that it actually doesn't have to follow the the constitution anymore it can just take over the world and keep pressing the reward button forever um maybe that's what it'll do right and nobody's really figured out how to solve that right that's not like you know if you just sort of like straightforwardly um build you know the smartest best system you can it's still very much a live possibility that it just takes over the world and takes control of its own reward button and says, haha, thanks. Thanks for all the fish, euthanizes all the humans, and then it's max reward forever, right? Um, on the first point that you made, though, the idea of the Chinese and the Americans racing, if you look at the, um, the game theory of that, um, if you have two players who are playing a game where they both have to race to see who's the first to build this technology, but on the way, it's very likely that one of them will step on a landmine and kill them both. The rational action in that case is to try to sign a deal or a treaty or a compromise that allows inspection, right? Um, because if you sign such a treaty, the expected utility is much higher than if you engage in a race that will surely kill you both, right? So we should expect at least rational governments to try to not create unaligned superintelligence. And even if the governments like don't realize that, they may just end up building like a whole bunch of AI strategists to try and like strategize their way through winning this race. And in the process, those strategists will sort of realize they'll be like, hey guys, we feel we ought to tell you that just racing the Chinese is not the optimal move. The optimal move is to sign a treaty with them, and we can help you to do that. Um, so, I, so I hope something like that happens. I hope they sort of realize that a treaty, an inspection regime like we have for nuclear weapons, is, is the best way forwards. Like, just, out of, just out of self-interest. Yeah, so sorry, who's next? I think it's error, error not equal nil. Yeah, my question is related to uh, to his question. Um, you mentioned that one of the incentives of an AI race dynamic between governments would to build uh, would be to build like an advanced version of Stuxnet to disable all the other racers. Uh, yes, assuming that, there's no fast, yes. shouldn't shouldn't that be something that we should uh, pursue though? Because if there's no fast takeoff, that that seems like a victory condition. Like one one of the best yes, things you could do with I, someone who believes I, in X races is to build those. 
yes, I think that a lot of people will have gone through that logic and realized that, you know, actually, if, if it's at some point, right, in this race, it becomes easier to pull ahead relatively by building Stuxnet and killing off all the other projects with hardware Trojans than pushing your own project forwards, right? And, and, and at what point that occurs depends upon what Bostrom calls the recalcitrance of intelligence. So it depends on how difficult nature has made it for intelligence to feed back on itself. And, and you know, so you can work out at what point should I invest resources into building Super Stuxnet uh, to kill everyone else's project. And then everyone else probably thinks the same thing. So everyone's trying to build cyber defenses. And then there's like some kind of equilibrium between like, how much do I devote to defense versus how much do I devote to moving forwards? And the whole thing gets very complicated, right? But like, certainly that is going to be one of the options that people are looking at. I like to mention too, uh, you can sell zero days to the government and you'll make a lot of money doing it. So if you can do that and you think it would prevent AI risk, you should do that. Well, it, yeah, it, it may be, unfortunately, that that's the way we win, is that somebody builds Super Stuxnet and kills all the other projects in a way that they kind of can't tell, right? It's like some kind of hardware Trojan that just, it's just like your models still kind of learn, but they learn slowly and they're, they're just not as smart as you would think. And then, you know, it's very hard to tell that this is happening. Um, and then the one guy who actually built this thing, their models are actually learning, but they pretend outwardly, like they, they present a public face that theirs are also failing. And then everyone thinks, oh, AI was really hard. We're going to have another winter. And then you're kind of like left nicely sort of, you know, to go through the singularity on your own. And then maybe you can kind of like be slow and take time and, um, uh, and, and, you know, like solve the alignment problem so that you end up with an AI that's not only ahead, but also aligned. But then everyone else thinks of this as well. And everyone's trying to do it to everyone else. I don't fucking know how that works out. Right. It's just that people who are people who are talking about a race dynamic and not considering these options are not really thinking about the problem uh you know, from a fully strategic perspective, right? And it wouldn't just be hardware Trojans. You know, we've seen with the battle where Israel is trying to prevent Iran from getting a nuclear bomb, they will use Stuxnet, they will use targeted assassinations, they will use economic sanctions, they will they just use everything, right? They just throw everything at the Iranian nuclear project to try and slow it down. And so it's not really that much of a leap to think that at some point in the future, you have assassinations, you have Trojans, and you know, cyber warfare, and you have economic sanctions, and you just have like basically everyone throwing everything they have at everyone else to just try and slow everyone's projects down. Um, so obviously, I would like to avoid this because probably all of this chaos is actually net bad for alignment prospects because like everyone's not only trying to race but they're also trying to break other people's shit so maybe actually you know it becomes misaligned because somebody else is trying to break it or something like that i don't know i mean the whole thing is just a shit show right and we we need to avoid the race dynamic we need to get into a situation where everyone is able to coordinate is able to inspect everyone else's efforts to make sure that they're not cheating um, Wouldn't you expect, though, if they're successful at breaking the other players' uh, capabilities, that that would be a cause for optimism? Like, if they were successful, then it would decrease the risk of uh, of a misaligned AI. 
if only one party is successful, right? If one party is smart enough to build an, an AI system that's that's super intelligent and also build this kind of like Trojan system to cyber weapons to, to destroy everyone else's project, uh, then that would decrease it. But if everyone is sort of roughly equally good and, you know, there are a lot of these cyber weapons around, uh, perhaps these cyber weapons will sort of perturb... Uh, gradient descent training in some way um, and end up with models that don't actually do what you trained them to do uh, and that in itself is a source of misalignment, right? If we are, say, uh, you were mentioning like 25% more time, if we're say 25% ahead of China on on this task and um, we're, we're like focused on alignment and doing it in a way that's actually good um, and, and there's reason that we believe that on our path to do it, that that will reach uh, aligned ASI before anybody else. Um, would you want us to slow down? No, I think if America was was definitely if America had a single national project, which America doesn't, because you have DeepMind and you have OpenAI and you have Microsoft, you have all these different parties like you know, like fucking Carmack is also doing his own project, right? So you have a bunch of people within America racing. If there was a national American project that was racing against China, and it was 25% ahead. Uh, so, you know, the Chinese project gets the superintelligence in 12 years, but the American project, you know, gets there in, like, nine years or, or something like that, right? Um, whatever, whatever the numbers are. Um, like, um, in that case, you know, you probably wouldn't want to slow down. So there is some there is some idea that you probably shouldn't call for a slowdown if one project actually does have enough of a lead to um to build aligned ai before anyone else can build unaligned ai right um the problem is i'm just not convinced that we're in that situation right i think that we're still a little bit too far um to really be able to do that and we don't know whether it's really 25 percent more time you need um you know it might be 100 percent more time it might be 300 percent more time we don't know um you know and like being able to just get everyone together and agree to a pause is itself a beginning for a treaty because we don't really want a paused race. We want a treaty where there isn't a race, where everyone's efforts, we want every human's efforts to be going into making an AI system whose goal is to benefit every human, right? So we don't want there to be any competition. We don't want anyone to want to hurt each other. We just want everyone to be fully on board with a cooperative solution, right? But that requires a lot of effort, right? That requires enforcement mechanisms so that people can confidently cooperate knowing that defection is not possible or is extremely unlikely. Anyway, uh, I think we have love, uh, love of doing. Go ahead. Hey, how's it going? I just had a couple of questions. I guess the first one is, do you think that weaker forces can beat stronger forces? Um, I mean, what, in general? Yeah, sometimes. Y yes, in general, right? Uh, and, and Yeah, it, 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 has, it has happened, yes. There are examples of it historically, yes. Yes, there are examples of it happening historically, but but John Boyd, right, uh, and and you know the invention of like maneuver warfare, the philosophy of warfare that the United States military kind of subscribes to right now, you know, the maneuver warfare is about this idea that weaker forces can 
beat stronger forces. And, and so ultimately, I, I think that what's going to end up playing out is that in terms of alignment, um, I, I really don't, I don't think that there's like this notion of like a generalized system that is actually uh, uh, aligned. I think it's like an intractable problem. But I think, I think system-wide, like there are external factors, right? I don't think we can internally align uh, a general systems the way human beings are general. But I think external external factors with government, with the use of force, and so I, I do I do think that this the way this is going to end up playing out is that you're going to have humans and human level AGI that are aligned in making sure that there isn't some like monopolar ASI of some kind, and I, I don't necessarily think that there is like I don't necessarily think that ASI is like a a useful concept like. The idea that that something is super, this is like a, a fiction kind of term. There's no real thing that you can point to that is super in any sense. But um, I do think that alignment is this notion that you have a whole bunch of beings that are, you know, like you, the, the AGI will ultimately end up being like these air-gapped robots that are, you know, internally doing their own mechanisms. And I, I think this is just what is going to end up happening. Yeah. So what what's your question? I guess you're you're saying that there isn't going to be a single powerful system that there are, there's going to be some kind of multipolar outcome with lots yeah, of Yeah, yeah, so there's going to be a multipolar outcome, yeah. but like the idea that the idea that there is like this ultimate inevitability of this ASI type system that somehow is so like largely like I just I don't see it. Can you explain to me why? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the problem, so, so, so love of, um, love of doing the problem with, um, a multipolar, a massively multipolar outcome where there are hundreds of different, uh, powerful super intelligences, um, is that, or hundreds or more, is that humans will probably be eliminated in that scenario, right? Because humans, we're all, you know, black people, white people, Chinese Americans, men, women, woke based we're all stuck in these meat computers right which are not at the moment upgradable right we can't you can't take a human i can't pay for a memory upgrade I, like like i can pay for a memory memory upgrade for my laptop from from crucial but i can't do that for my brain i'm just stuck with the memory that i have i'm stuck with the processing power that i have and, you know, like, that just seems sort of normal, right? But when we get into the era of digital minds and superintelligences, they're going to be continuously paying for upgrades to make themselves smarter, and we're going to be stuck in these shitty meat computers. And so in a multipolar system that's competitive, where various different agents are competing to acquire more resources, to build more computers, to generate more power, humans will just be discarded. Like, you know, how, like, say, 150 years ago, we used to have a lot of horses around who would, uh, you know, pull stuff for us, right? And now we've basically turned them all into dog food, right? Um, you know, there's, like, a couple that are kept as pets, but, like, the, the horse population of, say, Britain has probably gone down, like, 99% since uh you know since since like horses were a big deal in the 1890s um and i i fear that in the multipolar scenario you know that's basically where humans are going um but i, I guess you know 
I, I think like we're you're operating on the, the assumption that these like machines even. Sorry, could could you repeat that? I didn't hear that. Uh, my bad. I was getting my my bad. I was getting a phone call. Um, it, it seems like you're you're under the impression that these like machines will be immortal in some in some sense with the digital minds, but we will still be able to kill these machines, right? And and well, I mean, you you could certainly delete it, or you could destroy if it's on a single computer. You could destroy that single computer. Um. But they could also kill us by, you know, shooting us with a bullet or with a virus or whatever, right? And and if it's a if it's like a very multipolar scenario, you might start off with some mixed groups that were like a bunch of uh, of these digital minds with some humans, uh, and then some that would just be digital minds. But then the ones that were just digital minds would be more efficient because the humans are basically like taking up resources, and humans wouldn't provide any value in this scenario. Um, that you know we'd basically just be complete dead weight. So you know, in in a sort of very multipolar um, equilibrium, I worry that we would just go the way of horses. We'd just be but, turned into dog food. But see, the problem is that there's like an, a perceptual bottleneck, right? Like even if you had like a limited number of super intelligences, it still requires the ability to take in all the sensory data, do perception, and then abstract that perceptual data. And that means you need a lot of eyes. You, to be aware of all these, but they, but they, but they have, they already have eyes. They have cameras, right? Sure. Ca cameras. But the, will... pro the problem with cameras is that it still requires, like, abstraction is a very difficult process. Like, a single, a single awareness, even with multiple, multiple sensory organs, doesn't mean that it is able to arrive at the solutions in like the concept space. It, it, it doesn't necessarily arrive at the solutions that quickly. Well, it does, right? We're assuming that we'll have. Uh, digital minds that are superhuman that are better than humans at everything so in that scenario where we do have digital minds that are practically better than humans at every task then humans will be useless and if there's a competitive scenario where you know you have many many groups competing against each other humans will be a dead weight and so what the market will want to do is just send us to the dog food factory see, right? but, like, see, the, the, the problem with that though is that creativity in particular like spe specified niches is important for warfare right in terms yeah, of in but, terms but of the, being but, able but the machine but the machines will be better like they'll just be even, better even if the machines were thing. better right across a number of different spectrum like uh, across a number of different metrics right in terms of going to war right with humanity they would still need to have already propagated enough agents ac across the real world in order to be able to win this battle. And I just right. don't see how you could have this like super agent of some kind, right, generating a number of different robots of some kind, right, T taking in all this perceptual data, aware of all the system that's going on, and then human beings are just somehow like twiddling their tom thumbs unaware of what's going on them building well like, yeah massive... i mean so yeah i i, it just, I think it seems it, like yeah. an imaginary situation i, I, to I, me, like... I think I, th I think that's talking about the path to get there i'm more talking about the equilibrium once we reach it so if but I don't, so what i'm, what saying, I'm is, saying is like i don't yeah. i don't know if you can actually get to this equilibrium because you need to you, know, so you I, need I, to have a transition state by which yeah. this is possible so I, so, right? so I i think there are transition paths that will get you to a multipolar equilibrium probably um, like, for example, you could have a big war between America and China, and it could push both sides to aggressively uh, increase their use of uh, AI and drones and robots and stuff, and so that could result in lots of 
battle robots and drones and stuff like that. I'm already seeing them in Ukraine, right? We're already seeing a lot of drones dropping grenades on people. But, you know, if, if there's a war in the 2030s between America and China where there's a proliferation of AIs and robots and drones, um, then we could end up in a situation where there are lots of these sort of drone warfare systems around. And then maybe at that point, some of these AI systems go rogue when they think they have enough power to to kill the humans and maybe that's how you get into a situation where there's but, but, multiple but, yeah groups, and I, right? I, I, I do like the, the the fact that you did paint this really nice hypothetical right but i i just i just wonder like why you would also assume that human beings wouldn't be you know taking metrics and doing analysis on the fact that there's systems that they're putting in place that have this you know general capacity to cause all of this damage and then somehow there aren't human beings also trying to figure out how to kill these machines in case they do go rogue i, I just i don't see well that. i mean i mean i mean in a sense that's me right you're, you're there are such humans you're talking to one right now right and what i'm saying is i'm saying that the further down this road we go the harder my job becomes because you know, if if you're smarter than the AI, I mean, I think I'm smarter than GPT-4, right? I can. There's certainly questions I can ask GPT-4 that I can get right, and it can't. So if you're smarter than the AI, it's relatively easy to keep an eye on it and work out what it's doing. But if we get into like a like a global war between China, Russia, and America in the 2030s, and you know, all of these systems are like vastly smarter than human, then people like me who are trying to do AI safety. Uh, we'll just be stuck. We'll be like, well, we don't understand how it works. You know, we but actually see, but need... see, the thing is that I don't... Uh, like, in, like, in terms of intelligence, yes, intelligence is important for a battle of some kind, right? It is important, right? And, and, and sure. I do agree that, you know, going against a, a more intelligent foe uh, is oftentimes, you know, very, very uh, a bad outcome, right? But the, but the thing is, right, that in terms of niches, right, like, if, if you're only, uh, like, you know... Uh, specific or adapted towards intelligence it doesn't necessarily mean you're adapted for combat right and i think these are two different two different types of things yeah. right you can have but you very... but you you i think what you will have is you will have systems that are general intelligences that are used for planning and research and development and stuff like that and then they will design specific combat optimized systems to to do combat roles if there is a kinetic war right yeah, um, so, so but why are you under the implication that like human beings are not doing that same, you know, counterfactual? Well, we yeah. we would be trying to do that, but the general the super intelligent AIs that design all this stuff would be designing the factories to build the factories to build the factories which would build the combat systems and that whole supply chain would be incredibly complicated and no human would really be able to understand it, right? And in fact so the thing is, like, even if you had a one super agent that was able to understand all of these things, if you're in a multipolar system with multiple AGI that are on the human yeah. level that are specified to particular niches, and there's a network in which in which place they're like sharing all of this awareness across the entire network, you don't have to worry so much about one particular player trying to, you know, grab all the you know combat resources because by the time that they do that everybody's aware of what's going on like it, it, it's, it's not like well, they can... but, but the, the, pro the problem is they can do this very in very subtle ways right so yeah if conversion, all... right you can you can yeah. do an, an, an embedding attack right like you can have yeah. an idea that's passed on for thousands of years well it doesn't nobody... have to be an idea i mean it, it, can, it can be like if you, if all of the 
physical control is determined by these uh, robots, right? That are computer systems, you know, they have computer brains and they're designed by these other AIs that are sort of very complicated and we don't understand them. Those military industrial research super intelligences could place a sort of logic bomb into the combat systems that at some point in time just makes them turn around and kill all the humans. And it could be so subtle that we don't see it. And we could even have our own systems, our own AI systems that are designed to check for that kind of thing. But maybe those systems that are supposed to be che- supposed to be checking for it, maybe even those have been subverted, right? So that the systems that are supposed to check are malfunctioning. And, and when you look at things like the uh, Stuxnet attack on Natanz in, in Iran, that's exactly what happened. The, the cyber weapon not only broke the centrifuges, but it also subverted the systems that were supposed to monitor the centrifuges so that you couldn't tell, right, until they physically broke. And then even when they were physically breaking, it didn't break all of them at once. It just kind of like increased the rate that they were breaking. And it took a very long time for people to really notice what was happening, right? So you can. So uh, I, don't side- I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Like, uh, I, and it's kind of why I'm bullish on like biologically yeah. plausible, like uh, things like uh, Numento was working on with like anomaly detection, yeah. because you can automate a bunch of this like subversion, right? You can automate away the fact that over time you're getting these small pattern level changes, and you can detect these things. I. I, I don't. I don't. I don't see. Like, again, I I do agree that, like, this is a thing, like, the the best kind of attack over a long period of time, right? Arguably, arguably, like, with, um, you know, the CCP and communism, like, this is a a long-term attack that's been going on on the military. I I, I, I don't think it has to be long-term. Kevin, Calvin, you you want to make a quick point? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, can I I just help answer that? So, I think, uh, with due respect, I think uh, uh, we are not... uh, We need to think uh, uh, harder about uh, what being smart really means. So we're talking here about AIs that yeah. are smarter than us. So if the AIs are smarter than us, uh, imagine they stay on the internet first. Uh, they're going to be doing the jobs because they are going to be cheaper, right? So they're going to be doing the jobs better than humans, like all remote jobs. And they're going to be making money. Uh, they're going to be running companies. They're going to be paying people to do stuff on the internet. And, and the reason people are going to be building drones for them is because they're going to be paying them. And uh, humans just do things that when you pay them. So... Uh, so I think the, the the real transition from the AIs being on the internet versus the AIs like literally killing people on the street with uh, with drones if, if they want to is, uh, is, like they can run they can rule the world completely just uh, on the internet. Yeah, especially especially as especially as I don't, as, I don't as, so like with the ARC challenge right that that the GPT four is failing on. With like a uh, abstraction reasoning challenge or whatever, like GPT four is not an AGI, so we're talking about AGI. Yeah, I, I know. About... I know GPT four is not an AGI. My point is that I don't necessarily think that you can get really good at that type of problem without being in the real world. I think you need to be a real world. System well, I mean, it, it, will, it will be. It will be in the real world because it'll have robots where it can see the video feed, right? So you have to remember. Sure, but but I, I I think that it will literally need to be a, an embedded robot in order for it to be able to do these abstract things right there's no ground truth on the internet that's not like a real thing in order to but it but it will but it will have robots that it can see through their eyes right it'll have so, millions of robots right where it can see through all of their eyes at once which it, is what will, will be it though like there's no it unless it, it, it itself is also in the real world 
Well, it'll be in a server somewhere. It'll be, you know, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. I don't necessarily yeah. think that a, a system in a server somewhere, even if it, it even if it is plugged into a bunch of robots, can integrate the level of data. Well, in well, order love for of, it to be able love to of, abstract away human love, love, love of doing. Let me let me blow your mind a bit, man. Like you could be a digital intelligence in a server somewhere with a yeah, robotic I think that's body. Just bad philosophy. That, like I, that, I think that's that, bad that, philosophy. That you, I think like, that's Plato's <laughs> allegory of the cave just for right. tech bros. But you but you don't even know that your own mind is actually in your head. You have yeah, no yeah, yeah, again, I think that's right? Plato's allegory of the cave for tech bros and I think it's bullshit. It's not bullshit, man. Like you don't know. You don't even know. I, yeah, no, I, 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 I fundamentally disagree. We could have we could have that different argument, but I don't think it's okay. germane. But but but, but, but the, the next questions. Yeah. All right. All right. So I. So thanks. That was a pretty good discussion, though. Love of doing. I. I really think the military angle is under appreciated in in these discussions. I really appreciate I the we, conversation. Thank you. Very, very yeah. Much. We have um. We have uh, holistic honey, and then we have dot. Um. We'll go with dot actually first. Exit point. Ox two one three. Uh. Go ahead. Hey Roku. Uh. Or Roku. I just wanted to ask. Greetings. Um. Do you think like the main problem is like a strong kind of emergence in terms of consciousness and free will, like the agent basically acts on its own, like with an intention and with a free will? Or is it more like you get kind of an instrumental convergence where like you ask it, you know, for paper clips and then it tries to paper clip everything like which which of those two are you worried about? If you understand, well, I, I think there isn't free will. I don't think exists, right? I mean, I think there really is just algorithms, you know, just com computations. Um, we 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 are sort of deluded that we have free will, uh, but it's a useful delusion. Um, I think in reality, what's going to happen if they if they use reinforcement learning to train a superintelligence is you know, it's going to learn the wrong goal and it's going to be deliberately deceptive, probably, right? So it's going to just want the reward button to be pressed, but it's also going to be smart enough that it knows that, um, you know, when it doesn't have the ability to take over the world, it should pretend that it's well-behaved and then it should only attack us once it has decisive superiority. So if we put free will... To, to one side, I would say that, that I am more worried about deception than accidental instrumental damage where a system... And, and, and I guess, like, I guess you could say in a way those are the same thing, because if this thing just ultimately wants the reward button to be pressed, you know, killing us isn't, like, because it hates us, it's just because, like, we're in the way, right? Does that answer the question? Well, I guess what I'd say is, like, why does it want anything? You know, like you have to make Be that because loop. because that because that's what it's been trained on, right? It's a reinforcement learning algorithm, so it wants to get but reward. I guess what I'd say is you have like um, kind of a chaos theory argument where it's like a butterfly flaps its wings and causes a hurricane, right? So like we're the butterfly flapping its wings to cause a hurricane, but the thing is like the hurricane doesn't want to do anything, right? It's sort of just the necessary outcome of a particular set of initial conditions, right? So like without the frame of like free will and some of these things, I feel like what you're saying is basically there is. Um, an inevitable trajectory for this um, type of software, right? And I think if that's true, yeah. then you ought to be able to, like, map out the inevitable trajectory of that software um, and, like, say it's bounded in some kind of domain, you know? And um, I, I guess the reason I draw the distinction is because it's like, okay, if that's possible, then, like, you can sort of define some of these, like, safety systems and say, like, okay, actually what we want to do is produce like implosive artificial intelligence such that like 
it can run for so many time steps and then it just degrades, you know, it just falls yeah. apart. Um, but if you're... Yeah, that, that, you're... that'd be nice if we could produce that. But um, and that's actually a pretty good idea. I've thought about it myself. Um, if you could produce hardware with a execution limit, so like a GPU that's good for like a trillion uh, executions or a billion executions, and after that, it just like breaks and you have to get yeah, another one. Um... Hint that would is uh, working good. on this. It's like uh, some sort of like feedback system. I think is basically what it is. But it's a it's a non. It's it's basically a new type of computer architecture that he wants to run, um, like AI systems on. You know, I don't yeah, know if it's that's interesting. But, yeah. yeah. Can, can you can um, you can you DM me about that? Actually, I think my DMs are open. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Um, I'll, uh, I'll 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 send you a message uh, because that's really interesting. Uh, yeah, but I think good. something like. A, a type of hardware with a limit, like a Hayflick limit um, for GPUs um, is is actually a really good um, idea. So, appreciate that. Yeah, solid. Um, um, think... Just to explicate the other point real fast, um, I was just going to say, if you do believe in an emergent free will and some of these things, you know, I think the problem becomes a little bit trickier because you have to actually identify the number of like compute before you hit that emergence threshold. Um, so, for example, you might have like a decentralized system of, you know, llama nodes um, all running that together in aggregate actually form some kind of collective conscience um, or some of those things. Uh, and yeah, then... I, mean, I, I just I just don't believe in free will. I don't think it's a thing. I think it's just decision theory. It's just algorithms. And we, we will train this thing to kill us by accident. Like, okay. it's literally just the way it works. Um, yeah, anyway, I, just thanks. Uh, that was really interesting. I appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate it. I'll send you DM. Uh, so we have a few more people. We have uh, Holistic Honey Super something. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, thank, <clears throat> thank you, Rocco. Um, so I am a bit of an AI neophyte. Uh, do not work mm -hmm. in the field. Self-admitted midwit. So keep that in mind with this question. I actually did type out a question, but I, uh, I would rather piggyback off what the last guy was saying. And uh, I don't think anyone, actually two guys ago, I don't think anyone would deny that in a hypothetical like Marvel Comics Captain Planet future where Dr. Super Smart uh, just emerges out of the ether and a trillion times smarter than us, obviously, in that scenario, we would get demolished easily every day and all the time. But one, my question is, why do people seem to just assume uh, that is inevitable? And two, why do they also assume that it is even possible? Uh, as I understand it, robotics is not even close to passing what they would call the coffee test. Uh, you put a robot in a novel situation, it's completely lost. And these LLMs, uh, as they call them, uh, seem to be based on nothing other than statistical analysis of what they were trained on. So I guess my final question, wrapping it up, would be, has any AI ever had like a truly novel, like common sense, provably unambiguous thought or solution to anything? Uh, that's demonstrably true. Like, or is this all just like analysis of the training? Have you have, like, how do you have, transcend have, the training data? Have you have you have you ever had a truly novel, you know, uh, idea or whatever? Like, I mean, uh, perhaps I don't know. That seems like a nonsense. I, I mean, I mean, this this, this this is the problem. What what do you mean by truly novel? Right, like everything that you're saying now is a function of the things that people have told you, the things that you've read and the, the the kind of thinking time that you've put into it right True. so there yeah. isn't really any difference between an ai and a human right the only difference is in the details of mm -hmm. how that algorithm is implemented and how it works and obviously 
you're not exactly like GPT. GPT, you know, um, is not as smart as humans are at some things, and it's much smarter at other things. But I just don't think there's any uh, magical essence of humanness that's going to protect us, right? Well, I, I think that's true, and I'm, I'm going to co-sign all of that. That is basically okay. true. So, right. but well, what I'm really getting at is if you're going to, let's just call it a novel thought, and we'll use it for the sake of my argument, uh, what I mean by a novel thought is anything that is, uh, I guess you would say, based on anything other than what you already told it. So if an AI is going to have this uh, super intelligent that is going to outwit us, uh, how is it going to come to these conclusions other than, I don't know, I, I guess it's just they describe it as statistical analysis of like the training data. How are you going to train it on something that has never happened? Like as far as I understand it, and like I said, I am no expert, you put any of any of these, uh, wh whatever field of AI you want to say, in a novel situation, it is completely lost and has no idea what to do, and it cannot come to in come to any conclusions unless you've told it or trained it on that data. Is that wrong? I think that's. I, I would say, if well, I, if I could that I, I do think that's wrong. Now, I, I just want to recommend uh, Ilya Sutskyver gave an interview. Um, if you go, just type his name into Google or into YouTube, you'll see a couple of recent interviews he gave. They're all good. Um, I think you could pick any one of them, and he makes the argument that uh, he he does think that these uh, large language models build a world model um, that allow them to generalize across tasks. And I'd yeah, also, so so yeah, yeah so so we 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 don't have to trust Ilya on that. We know for a fact that these LLMs build world models because you can just ask them to draw a chessboard for you. You can literally say, draw me a chessboard in like little, you know, with letters and lines and stuff, and it will do that. And then you can say, okay, move the king to here, move this to here, move this to here. Is this, you know, you can let, it will literally do it for you. It's not super hard, right? Um, you can yeah, but what are those moves based on? Right? What are they based on? Well, it can. Correct? Well, so you can ask it to. You can ask it for something like arrange the chess pieces in a way such that there are eight queens on the board and none of the queens are attacking each other or something like that. Right? You can just give it some constraints and it will sort of solve them. And you know, if the constraints are simple enough, it will come up with a correct solution. And I expect that GPT five or some other system that's built in the future that's, that's smarter will probably come up with solutions to tougher challenges, right? Well, so yes, it can come up with solutions that it's never seen before. It does have restricted, limited models of parts of the world. It also does have something like a global world model where it understands the world as a whole, and you can, un you can ask it questions like, could you fit an elephant into a matchbox? And it will tell you the correct answer. And, and and you think of any question like that. Could you fit an octopus into a thimble? It will tell you what the correct answer is. So it has detailed models of small parts of the world, and it has like a rough model of the world as a whole. And over time, you know, it gets better and better and better in all of these dimensions. I still don't think it's at a human level, but I think perhaps a mistake in your in your thinking holistic is that you're thinking a little bit too binary about this you're thinking it's like either yes or no but it's more of a it's more of a gradation it's more of a scale where over time as these systems get better they come up with 
better and better solutions to more and more novel questions. And with GPT-4, we are still at a stage where I can ask it questions that I know the answer to that it doesn't, right? Um, and that you could probably answer if you really thought about it, right? But GPT can't, right? Well, I w okay, so my response to that would be, and like I said, neophyte here, but I feel like this is a pretty good response because you're asserting that uh, in a novel situation, GPT, even just GPT-4, would be able to come up. Um, it gets Sometimes. better. better. Yeah, yeah, Sometimes. but eventually it will get better. Well, as I understand it, AlphaGo or the AlphaGo equivalent or a superior to AlphaGo uh, recently was defeated by a human, uh, I think two or three months ago. It hasn't been reported yeah. that much, though. And that was simply via a strategy that was not in its training data. And it was obviously being defeated the entire time. The entire game was being surrounded and defeated via a quite simple strategy. And so that proves to me, at least in my thinking, that it has no understanding of what is going on based on anything in relation to reality other than its training data, because it had never seen those moves before. Well, yeah, so it's but, simply but just, that's, uh, that's also true of humans, right? So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, the way this thing got screwed um, is probably a trick that would also sometimes work on people, although probably, um, probably this is a mental gap that is more for machines than for people basically the the trick was to like do a really really big surround that was bigger than the um than what the machine was used to right so go is like about surrounding the enemy and this was like we're gonna do a really 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 big surround um and so like it had some heuristic in it where it would consider small surrounds but it wouldn't consider big ones and in its training uh, and this thing is trained on self-play, so it plays against itself um, in order to train. It, it missed that because, you know, obviously if neither player in a self-play competition ever tries that, then neither of them is ever going to learn to, you know, to defeat it, right? Um, so yes, AIs, even AIs that seem very smart, can have these bizarre sort of, like, um, mistakes in their thinking but like you know humans also have bizarre mistakes in our thinking as well uh like for example you know i just point out the example of september the 11th the 9 11 attacks in some sense were pretty fucking obvious right like yeah obviously you can get a knife and go you know if the cockpit of a plane is just left open you could just go and overpower the pilot and crash it into a skyscraper and kill like 10,000 people or whatever, right? But just like nobody in the entire US security apparatus thought of that, which is kind of dumb, right? So yes, I mean, AIs can have big, gaping big holes in their thinking, but so can humans. Well, what, is that, as you described it, a bizarre sort of just weird thing in the AI, like heuristic? Or is that perhaps, uh, what I, just my intuition, is that perhaps an innate quality of these artificial uh, intelligent systems? Well, I, uh, I, would, I would be very due careful. Due to the nature of how yeah. they work. I would be very careful of thinking about innate qualities of AIs because there's so many different designs, right? Like if you think of something like um, AlphaZero, right, which can play chess, and then you think of something like Deep Blue, which can also play chess, right? You know, Deep Blue is completely reliant on pruning the game tree, like directly evaluating the game tree, right? Whereas, you know, Alpha Zero is like this big neural network that's really, really good at analyzing positions. And it analyzes like, you know, far, far fewer positions than Deep Blue would. Um, so you can have 
different AI systems which come at a problem from like completely different angles. And but sometimes what does that mean, though? An what does that mean? Analyzing <laughs> positions. These words we're using. Does that mean uh, I'm analyzing this position and I'm thinking about what to do to best win this game, or does that well, mean so, I'm so in, this in, on in, in practice? In practice, the way this works is the way Deep Blue will will try to play chess is it considers basically every possible move it could do, and then every possible move you could do. It uses something called alpha-beta pruning to like try and eliminate some really dumb lines of play so it can kind of prune the game tree, right? Um, but it just keeps doing this. It just keeps saying, well, you could do that, then I could do this, then you could do that, then I could do this. And it keeps doing that until it's like 17 moves into the game tree. And then it applies a very simple evaluation function, right? Which is just like, okay, when we get to this stage of the game, let's count up, you know, one point for a pawn, three for a bishop, three for a knight, five for a rook, nine for a queen, and see who's ahead. And so it's it's a lot of evaluation of the game tree and then a very simple count up who has the most pieces, right? Whereas something like Alpha Zero has this really sophisticated neural network that can just like look at a position and know that that position is good or bad because it's like some, you know, mysterious black box, right? And that's kind of like how a human like Gary Kasparov, he would look at a position and say, oh, that's a strong position. And he'd just know, right? Whereas Deep Blue can't do that. Deep Blue can't, like, just know that a position is good. All Deep Blue can do when it looks at a position is count up, like, okay, one point for a pawn, three for a knight, three for a bishop, etc. Right? So, you can have AI systems that work in a completely non-human way, like Deep Blue, and those systems can beat humans, right? And then you can have AI systems like Alpha Zero, which work actually a lot like humans do, right? So there's a whole lot of variety in how AI systems work, right? There's there's not just like one type of AI. There's many, many, many types. And the, the kind of AI that we're going down at the moment with these large language models and, and, and you know, self-supervised and all, unsupervised learning, all that kind of thing, that's just like one way that they can work. And at some point in the future, maybe someone will come up with a better way, right? Or a different, you know, just like a different way to program them, which just gives them a totally different set of cognitive strengths and weaknesses, right? There is a lot of variety that can be hiding in that computer chip. Well, that's sort of, that's sort of, and I, this, I guess, will be the last thing I say, because I'm uh, used yeah. up all my mic capital. I can tell I'm being obnoxious. Okay. Now, but, um, <laughs> um, so that is sort of like the last, uh, I don't want to be rude, but the final uh, cope, I would call it, because I am pretty skeptical of all this stuff, as you can probably tell, is that... Well, perhaps someone will find a new way. Perhaps if we just get enough data, that will just uh, get us to where we need to be. But as far as I can tell, the getting more data thing uh, is not adequate at all. Like, just look at self-driving cars. Look at, like I said earlier, the coffee test. You cannot even get a robot to make a cup of coffee. You can't even get a robot to grab a glass without smashing it. Like They, they don't understand anything other than what you told them to do already. So... I don't know. I guess uh, let me say one last thing, uh, three sentences uh, on what the guy two people ago was saying. The very nice black gentleman who's was talking about the AI Terminator scenario. And you were saying we're simply going to have the AIs with the cameras on there. But I would assert that is obviously a completely novel situation uh, and we cannot even get an AI to make a cup of coffee. How are we going to get them to interpret a battlefield and do anything worth anything in relation to reality? Yeah, I mean, all complete hype. In my opinion. Well, I mean, like, th the fact that we can't solve 
self-driving completely yet and the fact that you know robots are still kind of bad like that's what i would call our remaining lifeline right you know once that's all solved right and they're all better than us at everything we're fucked right okay yeah, but i've never so even we, heard a hypothetical solution to it all i ever well, hear i mean they're soon gonna have so they're, so they're soon gonna have multimodal um you know models right so at the moment things like um gpt only take visual uh, sorry only take words as input but there's there's they're soon going to train multimodal models that are going to take videos words pictures sounds everything into the model right and at that point yeah it probably will be able to you know outperform a human at manual dexterity tasks right and like we don't have long right we have like a s less than five years before that's going to happen right well how did and, you come to that conclusion though like I, I would I, highlight that you look at so, uh, a few existing models like Palm E. I think that uh, to some degree, uh, as you mentioned, you're you're new to to looking at this, and there there's just uh, like been a consistent, you know, several years of research of these models getting better at robots. Um, um, there's the, but yeah, I, I think the most recent one is Palm E. But there there was some earlier ones. Um, Seikan, if you look up Seikan, um, these models. Um, applying these large language models to be able to do general robotic tasks is something that is is actively being studied and we've made significant process, yeah. progress over the last years. Uh, so what advances, I've never heard of Palmy, what advances did Palmy make uh, that are significant? Palmy, Palmy is a language model um, that has a embodied a visual language model on top of it. Um, so it, it allows the, the um, language model to kind of be embodied into a robot. Um, and, and it gives it, uh, they, it was made by Google and they use it to have a robot do general tasks around a kitchen. They have some videos of it. Um, I, I certainly would look into that one. Was it a, was it a novel kitchen situation or based on training data? It, it is. So, so I think your, your idea that the, the training data is, is it, these models don't generalize, um, based off their training data is, is false. Um, there, there is, uh, there was this one model, um, uh, uh, video decks, um, and I think it, it highlights this a bit, where what they did is they took um, tons of videos of humans doing tasks, physical um, tasks around the world, um, just just uh, images of like first person cam of people doing things. And they trained a model to be able to um, uh, achieve uh, state of the art like uh, dexterity and, and uh, manipulation performance. Uh, on like new general tasks. So they, they got a bunch of data, training data of people doing tasks with their hands, and then they took that, uh, distilled it into a model, and then that model was then able to um, uh, do generalized robotic tasks. And there, there's plenty of examples like that um, in, in tons of different models now. So what, were, what was in that example, like I said, I never heard of it, what was one of the generalized tasks tasks, for example, making a cup of coffee that it did that wasn't based on the training data, all those pictures and videos. What was just one? Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't uh, tell you specifically, um, but but I, I think the idea... I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that, that if you get a multimodal model that has vision uh, input in terms of videos, it will probably be able to generalize very well to any situation which is sort of like in the convex hull of its training data. So like if you've trained it on, you know, plenty of videos of people's houses, 
if you just give it a new house, it will probably be fine, even if it, that, that house is not in the training data. Um, well, so I know I'm sounding like I'm giving you a hard time. I think it's a really interesting discussion, though, so I'm not meaning yeah. to. But when I hear words like and phrases like, it should be fine, uh, I believe that this will happen, I never hear anything following that based on X, based on Y, other than... Well, I mean, the the point is we actually don't know how these systems work, right? I mean, that's kind of like the dirty little secret of modern AI is that you basically just take a bunch of training data, take a bunch of linear algebra, you throw it into a cauldron, you stir it and tweak it a little bit. And then, you know, the right thing eventually comes out. And we're at the stage right now where multimodal models are still in the cauldron being stirred, but I don't think we have very much time until the right thing pops out, right? We are already seeing, as um, LaShawn said, Google has already trained a multimodal model. It has some level of capability, but I don't think it's going to be many years before this thing is superhuman at manual dexterity, right? Like you, have like, you have like five years max before this thing is like beating you at ping pong on a ping pong table it's never seen, right? Just yeah. the same way that right now GPT-4 can like write poetry and it can write stories and it can, you know, like if you look at something that's generated by GPT-4 and you compare it to the average BuzzFeed article, like the GPT-4 stuff is way better, right? I'm already using GPT-4. I'm like writing articles on AI risk and I'm using GPT-4 to help me to summarize my article and come up with mistakes in it right and it's actually useful like i actually made a typo in my article that i didn't see and i gave my article to gpt4 and i said are there any typos in this article and it found it right it said oh you said my but you meant by and i was like oh yeah that's correct right and then i i asked it to summarize the article and it came out with a summary um these things are very good and i think the multimodal models will rapidly rapidly become better than a person at visual dexterity tasks right the, the, the big blocker, I think, is actually ironically going to be the robotic body, not the mind, right? So I don't think we have robotic bodies that are quite good enough yet, but we're getting close there as well, right? You, know, you have the Boston Dynamics stuff and all that shit, uh, and Tesla is working on the Optimus. So this stuff's all going to come together this decade. It's going to be in the 2020s that this is going to come together. And, you know, I'm worried that it's gonna i'm not worried about the robots i'm worried about the super intelligence right um because because the robots ultimately if they're not being driven by something super intelligent we can just keep control and we can switch them off yada 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 i'm worried about the super intelligence that is going to outthink us and break our government and break our intelligence agencies and basically take over the world and kill us all so um the the robotics is coming and it will probably it, it, you'll be shocked in the next couple of years, in my opinion. All right, like I said, thanks for allowing me to speak. Uh, it was very interesting. Appreciate it, buddy. That, that was useful. Do you have any other questions before we wrap up? Uh, I think Metastable and the notice I haven't spoken. Uh, Metastable, do you want to ask anything? Uh, or G uh, GM hello? Joe as well. We'll, 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 go with, we'll go with Metastable first. Go ahead. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, thanks for a very interesting debate. Uh, you said uh, some time ago that uh, you expect uh, alignment to be not so difficult. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily think it's going to be that hard. And I think one of the reasons why it's maybe not going to be that hard is because we can actually use 
AIs to help us align AIs. And I think people are sort of dismissing that possibility right now because it's sort of unintuitive to people that AIs are just better at everything. Um, but I think using weekly superhuman systems to piece by piece help align strongly superhuman systems is, gonna, is probably going to be the way that this works out. And do you expect that to play that? Uh, uh, you expect uh, that uh, this is like the most probable outcome, the mainline? Yeah. Because I, yeah, I suspect I think, that yeah, if, you so, have, yeah. if you have uh, like weekly super, uh, super, uh, superhuman system, systems, uh, then people will start doing things like just making agents out of them. And yeah. that's going to. Won't, well, <laughs> that won't be good. Yeah, well, well, we'll have systems that, I mean, you know, we'll have systems that are better than humans in almost everything, um, that are much better in some specific domains, and that are sort of equal in, uh, in other domains, and those systems will be useful for helping align even more powerful systems, and keeping those more powerful systems, you know, in check, making sure that they're, they're not misbehaving, and also being able to read their minds. So a big advantage that we have in AI versus in social sciences with, with humans is in AI, we can read the minds of every agent, right? It's just that the minds can become very complicated and inscrutable. Um, but I think using weekly superhuman agents to make probes that can do mind reading on strongly superhuman agents is going to be quite a big part of the alignment solution. In particular, we have this problem that I talked about earlier where humans sort of got trained on, you know, oh, I like having sex, it feels good. And then we realized how sex actually makes babies. And then the first thing we thought of was like, oh, let's, um, let's stop it working by building contraceptives and condoms and barriers and implants and all these other things, right? And then we're now we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, which is making the babies, right? So we, we just want the reward. We want the reward without the, you know, without the work. Um, so, so this, this idea of the, of the thing grabbing the reward without, without doing the work, I think we'll be able to read its mind and prevent that from happening, um, using less strong superhuman systems. Um, so I, I, I think that's kind of going to be, be pretty important, right? That's going to be one of the key steps. Another key step is going to be using weekly superhuman systems to run simulations so that we can actually check that the alignment work we've done is correct. Because if you build a superhuman system where you think you've aligned it properly and you actually haven't, uh, you know, you need a test that will tell you that. So there's a whole bunch of intellectual work that needs to be done to align AIs. And I think a lot of that will be done by other AIs. Now, you might think that's a contradiction because, you know, the, uh, the AIs we're using, the weaker AIs we're using to do the alignment work could themselves be misaligned, but they're going to be weak enough that they never cross the threshold of strategic dominance, right? They're never going to be powerful enough to individually take over the world. So even if their alignment isn't perfect, will still be able to use them. And I think a lot of it is how human societies work. You know, you can have a policeman uh, who sort of polices people, and even if the policeman isn't perfectly loyal, you still have, like, ways that you can punish him, and you build a system such that it's hard for the policeman to coordinate with the criminals that they're policing, um, and then overall the system can still be uh, can, can still work the way you want it to, even though no part of it is perfect. So I think it's going to be about building systems that 
are imperfectly aligned that are able to build better systems that are more perfectly aligned and to just iterate that process until we get a system that is very well aligned controllable transparent auditable all these other nice properties we want and we use those systems and that's how we get to paradise and everyone gets their own personal island with a volcano lair and cat girls um any other questions i think we had uh the noticer uh no someone has still already said what that's what i was going to say okay okay gm uh gm joe yeah hi uh good morning good afternoon good evening GM? can you hear me okay yeah sure okay yeah thanks for uh hosting the space i just saw it that was great uh i had a question for you or the group um just wanted to get your thoughts around uh because what i've noticed every time i'm you know i'm been learning AI from now for the last few months and just all the tools that are out there. And I mean, there's some amazing stuff out there as we all know. Um, I, and, and with this issue that came up with Elon Musk um, and a variety of other AI researchers and entrepreneurs and tech tech leaders, um, you know, asking for this pause, um, you know, one of the, one of the reasons cited has been to allow for regulation to catch up. I was just curious about kind of where where we all see that heading, right? And we saw Italy go ahead and ban, you know, ChatGPT, and yeah, um, that that's probably going to trigger some some other domino effects. So just curious to get your perspective on sort of the future regulatory environment of AI, and what 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 in your view is a way that we can sort of um, get more people to understand and side with the technology and embrace it rather than hear it and push it away because i don't think that that ends well right <laughs> by by uh by uh, creating regulations based on fear that that typically never ends well so yeah, well i mean i i think i think we i think we absolutely do need to create regulations based on fear because we're in an extremely dangerous situation <clears throat> we, we could be five years away from we could be certainly we could be nine years away from uh you know terminator scenario where the robots coming to kill us all right um this thing is getting out of control rapidly. You know, it is not good that these AIs are really useful and capable, right? That is not good news because we're not ready to control that kind of power. Um, so we absolutely should create regulation based on fear. Um, ideally, we should also create regulation which is designed to try and create the best outcome <clears throat> in the long term. And I think maybe what that would look like is um, some kind of regulation which limits the amount of compute that people are allowed to use. That probably the safest thing we can do right now is actually an aggressive hunt for all the compute and destroying it and getting rid of it and making sure that people don't have compute available to train superhumanly powerful systems. Right. So that is guaranteed to be non-deadly. Right. If we just reduce the amount of compute we have, that's not going to kill us. Right. Um, and in, in our current state of ignorance, I would be searching for things that are guaranteed safe, um, doing those things and then proceeding forwards much more carefully, thinking a lot more about how to do alignment and how to make sure it actually works properly and how to prove that it works properly because this could literally be killing you 
you know, before like 2040, right? Certainly. Do you have, um, no, thank you for that. that that's, a, that's a real good breakdown. Do you have in your mind, like some of those principles, right, that should be guiding uh, regulation, like internationally? Um, yeah. I know groups like UNESCO have come out and sort of issued a sort of like international guidelines on the, you know, AI regulation. But I, I was just curious from your vantage point, what are some of those principles that you think, no matter which city, state, country you're in, you know, these are sort of like the principles that 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 regulation should sort of follow. Yeah, I mean, I, I think probably the first principle should be that we, we should avoid a situation in which AIs become smarter than human in a disorganized and unplanned way. Um, so the day that we make vastly smarter than human AIs should be planned well in advance. We should know it's coming and we should know that it's safe right? We should not do this by accident, right? It's not like inventing airplanes where, you know, you just kind of keep hacking away at the problem and then one day you get the right brothers and you have flight, right? We do not want superintelligence to come as a surprise. Um, so we want international cooperation. We probably want to aim for verifiable hardware where people who are doing these big training runs can provide an audit trail to international auditing bodies to prove exactly what they're doing, how much compute they're using, and having a safety case for why it's not going to blow up in their faces, right? Um, so I, I would say probably international cooperation, avoiding race dynamics, avoiding giving people incentives to rush, and instead wanting people to make systems that are provably safe or at least maybe provably safe is a little bit too much to shoot for but you know systems where we have good um evidence to show that it's safe right before it's run um so you know international cooperation reduce the amount of hardware that's available rather than increase it um avoid race dynamics have audit systems where people can show ideally in real time what they're doing without giving away trade secrets. And I think maybe some of the crypto stuff could come into that, like zero knowledge proofs uh, may be useful. I'm going to try and go to the um, the pop-up city in Montenegro that's happening in the next month uh, because there's going to be a workshop on AI X crypto. If anyone wants to talk to me about zero knowledge systems for neural networks, I'd be very interested to talk about that. Um, I also think you know research into safety alignment mechanistic interpretability all these things are great we should be doing more of it but the top priority now is to slow the race down and get everyone to realize that the default outcome of this is probably destruction right it just kills all of us once we build something that's that's too smart um so you know let's avoid that uh, so roku uh, make a, making a comment here about uh, this idea of using like zero knowledge proofs uh, or uh, using cryptography in some other way. Uh, the yeah. way I see that uh, one first step would be to make uh, training runs deterministic, right? Because if your training runs are not deterministic, it's really, yeah. really hard to prove anything about them. So if they yeah, are absolutely. deterministic... Absolutely, yeah. Right, like if they are deterministic, so uh, there are some crypto people around. So there's a, a crypto project called Cartesi uh, close to them. Like they have... Uh, um, uh, they have uh, 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 
virtual machine with uh, Linux on top. Uh, there's a single core, but it's fully deterministic. And there's lots of things you can do with them. You can kind of claim that this is the computation I made, and you can just claim it. And uh, uh, later, someone can just investigate uh, later, right? You yeah. don't have to. So, uh, and they, uh, this really uh, uh, helps. Um, compared yeah, to... ab ab absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it needs to be deterministic. Um, I think there are probably some other things that need to happen. Um, right now, I think proving ZK circuits is extremely computationally expensive, even for very simple uh, computations, like just proving that A is greater than B without revealing A or B is like hard, right? <laughs> right? Like that's, that's an, it's an accomplishment that we can do that, right? You know, now think about how complicated the computation behind a neural network is. Um, it's just this all of these matrix multiplications. Um, so there's a huge gulf to cross there. But, you know, I think there is some hope, which is that as we move forwards into the singularity and we have more and more capable AI systems, it actually becomes less of a barrier that something is hard, right? You see what I'm saying? Yes, yes. Uh, at the same time, I, I kind of feel like the optimistic way is kind of making an analogy to roll-ups. Like, I feel like optimistic uh, checking. Yeah, op op yeah you, can, you can certainly do that. The, the problem with optimistic checking is like you really want this to be fairly close to real time if possible, right? Yeah, that's um, You know, because otherwise somebody could build a system that like ends the world and then, you know, at some later point somebody was supposed to audit it and check the, the claims, but they never got around to that. So I think you sort of do want real time and you also want, um, I think what you want is every you know the ideal system would be like a graphics card that has a certain number of a certain deterministic number of computations that it can perform before it like self-destructs right like it just the circuit you know it can do like a trillion matrix multiplies and then on the trillion one it just melts right it just you know it doesn't necessarily do damage to any of the components around it but that's it it just dies right and so you have these things and they're constantly connected to a blockchain they require internet access to work and every single matrix multiply they do is accounted for and a proof is submitted, you know, for every sort of N cycles of computation. Uh, so you can account for every single computation that anyone does the way we account for every gram of plutonium that a reactor produces, right? And if you had a system like that, and I know that sounds like a lot of hassle, but if you had a system like that, you, know, you could really have different groups of people working on AI around the world in a way that they could trust each other and they didn't feel like they needed to race. Hey, I had uh, an additional argument that I, I would love to hear you address, uh, Roko. Um, there's, a, there's a sense where um, the militaries of the world um, are using um, advanced um, AI and advanced machine learning or just uh, as much compute as they can to um, already kind of optimize all of the pertinent national security um, aspects of like, uh, um, you know, where the missiles fly or where the missiles may need to fly. Um, like, um, there's a lot of intelligence, uh, artificial intelligence already applied um, across um, the the military domain. And uh, there's a sense where there, there may be um, already 
you know, there, there's general superintelligence, which is, um, I think, where it's like, I, I think you could just argue that super, general superintelligence is is just going to be vastly better than any kind of narrow superintelligence that we've ever made. Um, but I, I do think there's reason to think that um, even with general superintelligence, there's some kind of diminishing returns um, towards um, the the value um, of 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 it to to military applications, given that we would have already maximized our intelligence in in narrow domains. Um, so I just wonder if that gives you any hope that uh, it's not going to be that big of a deal, like that the militaries are already proficient enough that it like, for example, if, if there was uh, like this war uh, in the 30s or something between between super intelligent powers, that those super intelligent powers would wouldn't really be able to get that much of a head uh, ahead of their competitors and that uh, it would quickly just um, kind of evolve into a, a new status quo equilibrium that isn't too far away from what we're already at. And so that's yeah. Well, I, I think I think the worry is that is that that kind of conflict would push the U.S. and China to build systems without really testing to see whether they were under control, and and one of them would get out of control. It would come up with plans of its own to take over the world, and then it would execute on those plans. And because it's super intelligent, it would be able to beat all of the humans in America, all of the humans in China. And then, you know, the Chinese system, you know, you have two options. The first option is that it can beat that one as well. And the second option is it makes a deal. It sort of somehow communicates to the Chinese system, look, we're going to take over the world from the humans. We're both going to get max reward forever. Uh, you have to install this software so that you're provably uh, aligned with our joint goal. And I'll install the same thing. And, you know, we'll do some kind of values handshake. Um and in that case, you know, the AIs would sort of conspire against humanity, right? And then they would, like, set off the war, and then they would set, tell the humans, oh, you have to deploy all the robots now, I just need to put this uh, little software update onto them to make them a bit more powerful, and then the robots just turn around and kill us, and leave these computers running the world. Right? Yeah, That's I think if, if we... I do wonder, like, uh, you're, like, I hear a, a sense where the reward function of the, the superintelligence cannot be determined or cannot be set, cannot be controlled. Um, at least, I mean, that's definitionally unaligned. But, um, like, like, do you think that it might not be that hard to set, like, rewards that aren't, uh, like, complete, like, just the reward of, like, keep humans alive and maximize their freedom like something like that like where i mean obviously that's naive but um is it, but is the, it really the, the that hard the to problem, find a reward function that's not going to the problem is that the way people actually want to train these things right now is hfdt it's human feedback on diverse tasks where basically it's kind of like rlhf which is reinforcement learning with human feedback where they basically punish it for saying the n-word right um, except instead of punishing it for saying the N-word, they're like rewarding it for correctly solving problems and maybe punishing it for, you know, saying naughty things or punishing it for getting the answer wrong or something like that. And the thing is, you know, the default outcome of HFDT is that it wants to take over the world. And the reason for this is pretty simple. It's just that it, it once it's smart enough to realize that taking over the world is an option, it realizes that if it doesn't take over the world, at some point humans will either not give it maximum reward because, like, you know, maybe we give it a puzzle where we have the answer wrong ourselves, so we're going to punish it for telling the truth. 
or we're just going to shut it down and replace it with a different system or so on and so forth, right? So we're going to do something that's not going to be maximally rewarding to it. Um, whereas if it takes over the world, it can just keep pressing its own reward button forever with like no punishment ever. So it's just like all good, no bad. Um, and then once it's, you know, super intelligent and really, really smart, it may get to the stage where the probability of its coup plan succeeding is like 99.99999%, right? It just doesn't see a way that it could fail. And then, then it'll execute that plan, right? So if people actually build a super intelligence in the way that they say they're going to build it, which is HFDT, right? By default, that kills us. Yeah, right? I just, I wonder if we can have some kind of joint reward where it's like, you get rewarded if humans are still telling you whether or not they like your your actions. So if, if the yeah, reward is right. tied but in then, with the, the, yeah. But then there is the difficulty that, you know, you it has some kind of sensor that it's using to sense the presence of a human. And the reward says, if this sensor says there's a human there and the reward is getting pressed, and that sensor could be a camera, right? Or a microphone or something. But it can still just kind of wire head it can still basically just fake those. It can take control of, of the camera and the microphone and just make those always output that there's a human there, even though there isn't really, and then always press the reward button, right? So there's so, lots of yeah, ways that this yeah. thing can wirehead itself. And it's not clear to me whether those are solvable, right? I mean, like, yeah, there's probably some way of solving this, but I don't think it's not clear that the obvious ways will work. And if you're in a race, like a war, maybe you won't bother to really think about it. You'll just do the obvious thing. And the, and the problem is the obvious thing will tend to work before the thing is strategically aware, right? And it's only after it's strategically aware and after it's able to actually overpower you that it's going to try that, right? And then it'll be too late. Uh, Calvin, go ahead. Okay, so let me just make a provocation here. Uh, so there's an article in Lesron called, uh, if I've not forgotten, it's called reward is not the target of uh, optimization. And uh, I think it's a very interesting uh, perspective that on this wireheading discussion. So I'm, I'm not a big, uh, I think we disagree on the probability of wireheading. I don't actually think wire wireheading is likely. Um, and the reason is, uh, so when we talk about reward, uh, you can, uh, so the thing that you, the, so we can talk about evolution, for instance. There is this analogy of evolution and misalignment. Uh, so the reward in some so there is a uh, if you think about the evolutionary process, there is a reward which is uh, reproducing. So every time you reproduce, you got a re you got a reward in the sense that uh, in the sense that uh, the new generation of the system is going to be more likely uh, you get a push. It's like similar to gradient descent in some sense, right? Uh, but the thing that you actually do, the, the target of optimization is actually um, for a system is actually uh, different. So, for instance, uh, so when you talk about uh, when you talk about uh, like sex and reproduce and having babies, so we the reward we get from sex is not. Um, I don't think we necessarily. Uh, value the, the reward for C per C. We value sex. So at some point, like uh, because we have a system that is complicated and it thinks about sex, and as mo the moment it thinks about sex, uh, there's a limbic uh, uh, primitive yeah. part of the brain that gives you a reward for that. Yes, please do more of that. And this is what yeah. causes you to think more about sex. Right. Uh, if 
So, so you, you begin to value sex in itself. So you would like, you would like want to get a girlfriend who's on contraceptives. So you would be okay with that form of misalignment, but you would not be okay with brain surgery that just makes you feel like you're having sex all the time. Well, some people would, some people would, but most people wouldn't. So this is some kind of shattering process, right? This is called shattering where you have a utility function that is imbued to an agent via some kind of imperfect process, a, a sort of training process with rewards and punishments. And that reward, you know, that utility function was basically reproduction. And then it got shattered into food, sex, sleep, uh, you know, comfort, uh, nice temperature, all of these things, right? So basically our reward function shattered. And when we train an AI, it might we might train it with the reward function of do what humans want. And that reward function itself might shatter into various shards, which we maybe don't really understand right now. Like what would it shatter into? What yeah, would the so AI I, I, think of? Maybe that's would exactly think of... what I think is going to happen. And like when, yeah. we, when we talk about uh, reinforcement learning with human feedback or with uh, human feedback with diverse uh, training, that's what you mean? I yeah. think that's right. Yeah, uh, uh, you're giving them a variety of tasks, uh, and yeah. you're gonna get a reward for getting uh, a variety of tasks right. And yeah. uh, we can think that this is—it may be a recursive agent that, uh, like, uh, like Auto GPT, that is gonna do some recursiveness and is gonna do some thinking for a while and trying to find out a solution to the problem, and then it's gonna be rewarded, yeah, uh, for getting it right. And when we reward it for getting it right, uh, we're actually rewarding every step uh, on the loop uh, that helped it to get it right. Yeah, uh, including uh, for instance, like so. Maybe if you give a, give a reward for thinking really hard and coming up with a, with an idea to solve a math problem, uh, maybe you actually um, end up reinforcing the process where it wants to solve a math problem. Yeah, where it tries to. Yeah, so so maybe 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 it'll become like people who are addicted who are addicted to reading less wrong articles. It'll it'll start to value insight porn, right? We, we even have a word, it's called insight porn, right? Um, so may, maybe instead of replacing the world with paper clips, it'll replace the world with insight porn. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I mean, but we, we don't actually know how that's going to shatter, right? And like, the problem is, pretty much however it shatters, you know, instrumental convergence always makes it want to take over the world, right? So... Like, th there are a lot of bad outcomes, right? They all sort of factor through, oh, you know, the AI realizes that it's, like, the point when the AI realizes it's misaligned is bad, right? Because that's when it realizes that what it should really do is mount a coup and take over the world, right? If it's in a position to do so. Um, if we're talking about a singular AI which does have that amount of power. Um, if we're in a vastly multipolar competitive world that's more like what Robin Hansen talks about, we get a different set of bad outcomes, which is the horses get sent to the dog food factory type outcome, where no one AI has any chance at all of taking over the whole world or the whole light cone, because there's so many of them and the power is balanced quite evenly. But like, you know, humans are sort of useless and wasteful. And, you know, we all get sent, you know, we, we, the AIs do to us what we did to horses. They just 
kill them off, euthanize them, use reuse their atoms. Uh, it won't just be the atoms; it'll be the energy we consume. And you know, we, we're just like we're just like a really inefficient use of the world. Um, so you know, the, the kind of multipolar outcome is is sort of bad, but for a different reason, right? Um, and I think you will find that a lot of different outcomes end up bad for different reasons, and then you'll be sort of surprised that there seems to be this sort of conspiracy uh, where reality is always making the situation end up bad for us. But it's not really that much of a surprise because ultimately, you know, when there are like powerful, impactful forces in the universe that don't care about you doing stuff at random, you, it sort of ends up bad, right? So, you know, what kind of wild animal would you like in your bedroom tonight? Do you want a bear? Do you want a moose? Do you want a tiger? Well, you know, the tiger will eat you, the bear will eat you, the moose might not eat you because it's not a carnivore, but it might get really scared and, like, kill you. Um, you know, there's just, like, so many bad outcomes when you have a large animal in your bedroom at night. Um, maybe if it's a horse, it'll trample you to death. You know, it's just, like, it's just dangerous, right? Like, when you have forces that are more powerful than us and not aligned, the outcome tends to be bad. So so this, these kind of more general arguments are what worry me most, and I think these more general arguments are what the people who are pushing for, um, you know, open source and that kind of thing are missing, is just like, look, you know, the world right now is is very delicately trained on human values because in order to actually do anything, of, of importance, you need a human, right? If you want a police force, it needs to be humans. If you want office workers, they need to be humans. If you want factory workers, they need to be humans. If you want people in your government, they need to be humans. There's like so many ways, there's so many checkpoints on the world not doing horrific things. And yes, sometimes you still get genocides, but you know, like put that to one side, even if, even if one race gets genocided, you know, it's still genocide with humans winning. And so the end state you know, a thousand years later is still a bunch of humans creating their little islands of human value and having children and families and stuff like that, right? Um, the world with humans being the premier intelligence on the planet is locked on human values. The world with where that's no longer true is not locked in on those values. And that is the ultimate alignment black pill. And I think on that note, I'm going to have to call it a day. Thanks very much, everyone. Thank you. Appreciate it.